is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yeah. Man. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. You're a never was. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. To a new show of the Sports Live Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. You can call us at 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, what's going on? (laughs) That's a that's quite an intro. What are you going for the high pitched voice this time? I don't know. I mean, what, what? You don't like it? It's not bad. I mean, it's better than your false claim of you can sing opera. I can't. What, what do you mean? That's false. You don't believe I can sing opera? Well, you've tr- you've said it many times, and then uh, you I, what do you want me to sing? I'll sing it. I don't know opera songs. <laughs> All right, so pick a song and I'll sing it. If you don't believe that I can sing opera. I will definitely pull it out of my you-know-what. I don't know. I don't know if anyone wants to hear that. On, 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 I think it would be fans. great. I think it will be great for you to actually cherish the moment of me singing opera. Right. I really do. Nevertheless, it sounds weird with a high pitch. <laughs> I disagree. I, I think it's wonderful. Anyways, we have a great show lined up for you guys at 9.30. We'll be talking to WVIOX College Hoops chat radio host Jim Maciono. Maciono. I'm sorry. Mace. Son O. <laughs> Am I right? Maysano. <laughs> I'm trying to sound it out here, but Maysano. I, I, I like the first pronunciation, though. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Maysano? Yeah. Maysano. Uh, I'll, I'll be sure to tell him that. Maysano. Maysano. Uh, and at uh, 10.30, we'll be talking to former MLB outfielder and Dodgers professional scout Greg Golson. If you don't remember him, he's been on our show uh, about a year ago. He's fantastic. Very much looking forward to getting him on the show as well. Uh, We will get into the Aaron Judge sweepstakes because, I mean, it will be a sweepstake at the end of the season. I think it's sayonara to Aaron uh, after the Yankees, uh, you know, strike out on extending his contract before the season starts. Aaron wants more money, and the Yankees are not offering it. So, uh Speedy was wrong. He was going. He's going to get more than two hundred million dollars, maybe close to two hundred and fifty million dollars. So very interesting for the Yankees. Uh, we will get into the New York Mets woes in their bullpen. Yeah. Yes, uh, we will get. It's early, so a lot of teams have a lot of woes. The Yankees with their starting rotation. It's been a problem. The Red Sox with their starting rotation has been a problem this year. So we'll get into what we think so far in the first, really first. I guess five games, four games of the season, which absolutely means nothing, but that's just another thing. Uh, We will get into the Dwayne Haskins situation uh, as Dwayne Haskins gets hit by a car over the weekend and passes away. 24-year-old quarterback from Ohio State, uh, drafted uh, early in his career by the Washington uh, 
I guess you said at the time, the Washington Redskins. Now it's the Washington Commanders. Uh, we will get into the Washington Commanders and the uh, – what is it called, Speedy? Uh, what, what, what is the right wording for this? The term used in this article was unlawful financial conduct. Mm. And Dan Snyder's, I guess, corruption <laughs> continues. Mm. It's not even just players and employees anymore. Now season ticket holders. Interesting. He's uh, how does cooking a, the books a little bit. How, why does a multi-billionaire want to rip off people? I, I It doesn't make any sense. I, I really don't understand it, but... Uh, that's what baseball, you know, the baseball owners were trying to do to the players. So it, it's not, it really isn't something that we didn't think was going to eventually happen from an owner. And why not Schneider? Because Schneider's an idiot and he's probably going to lose his team before season starts. So the worst baseball owner is probably still a hundred times better than Dan Snyder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's absolutely obnoxious. And, and really for a person that thinks he's some kind of uh multi smart man, because, uh, he thinks he's just that much smarter than everybody else. Well, he got caught cheating. Again, not surprised. Uh, if he's not attacking his cheerleaders or trying to get them to be prostitutes, he's trying to steal money from everybody. Yeah. So, good job, Snyder. And creating a dump of a field that gets all these players injured. Uh, the draft is about two weeks away. We will get into our thoughts. We will have our draft, uh, I guess you could say, what would if we do the first round draft live feed? I guess we called it last. I time. wouldn't say live feed because I'm not even sure if we're going to do the live feed that day. But uh, we are going to do our picks. We'll go from one to thirty. We'll get Jeff and Carl on the show, and we'll go through it. We'll pro- maybe we should get some of these uh, these draft. Uh, I guess professional. What do they call them? The draft analysts, not analysts. Uh, Scouts. No, no, no. They call themselves. Like professionals, what do they call them? Expert, expertise, okay? They're expertise uh, on our show. So we'll get them on, you know, in the next week or so, and we'll do our little draft uh, as we did last year. And uh, me and Jeff were almost dead on uh, in that draft. But anyways, uh, we'll get into that, and we'll get into a lot of football, a lot of, a lot of baseball, a lot of basketball. But let, let's get into this Aaron Judge thing, because it seems like, you know, sitting here today and wondering what the Yankees needed to do to get this thing done before the season started was make sure that this man got the money and got his understanding of how much his worth is as a New York Yankee. And if you sit here today and you wonder, hey, you know, Aaron Judge has been the face of the New York Yankees organization since Derek Jeter. He's been the fa- one of the faces of baseball. And really, a six foot eight, 280-pound slugger that hits for 280, 287 last year. It's something very unique. You don't see many players that big, that strong, actually hit in the 280s. He's a power hitter. But you, you sit here now, and I told everybody, if Aaron Judge doesn't get that contract before the season starts, he will go to restricted, he'll be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season, which probably means... 30 other teams are going to make a bid for him, which means the Yankees are not going to outbid themselves for Aaron Judge. This has been going on for really the last 40 years. The Yankees have always bid of themselves. They always outbid themselves, which made them cost. It made them spend more money on players. They shouldn't have spent more money on. Now it is the house Steinbrenner era, not the George Steinbrenner era. And he is not, I repeat, he's not going to overpay a player that is going to be 31 in the offseason 
and is going to be demanding the highest contract in Major League history yearly. Now, if the if if he agreed to this contract, Aaron Judge would be making close to thirty-seven million a year, thirty-seven million a year. And now he thinks that he deserves more. And and really, if you look at the position the Yankees are in right now, paying Giancarlo Stanton, paying Garrett Cole, and now looking at other players that they're going to have to sign, and they just gave DJ LeMayu $80 million, they're going to decide what they're doing with Gleyber Torres. The Yankees are in position now to decide if Aaron Judge is going to be a Yankee for the long haul. If you're a Yankee fan right now, and I I know there's a lot of Yankee fans that are not happy about this. If you're a Yankee fan right now, you shouldn't be happy. And I don't want to hear Tyler Harrison post up things all over social media saying, ah, ha, ha, we're finally going to lose the big man. Or we're finally going to lose, we're going to lose a guy that really wasn't any good. Let me guess. He probably said, oh, you should have traded him in 2019, like I said. For a big man, for a power hitter to hit 287, 30 home runs, and over 100, almost 100 RBIs last year, in a season that he stayed healthy, and in a season that was very, very important that the Yankees kept him healthy, to me, Aaron Judge deserves every penny that he was offered. But any more than $213, 220000000 million is too much for a corner outfielder that has been fighting injury after injury after injury after injury since he's come into the major leagues. 148 games he played last year, which is the most he's played since his rookie year where he played 155. And it's the most he's played by far. His next highest is 112. And it's not like the, it's not like Aaron Judge has gotten progressively worse at anything on the field either. He's 287 average, like you were saying. Still has been a steadily high 300 close to 400 on base percentage guy, nearly a thousand OPS pretty much every season, which is big and looked at when it comes to analytics. He's in the 150 range for OPS plus. So this is not a guy that's regressed. He's gotten better as a defensive player as his career has gotten along. He's he played... was always a good defensive player. Right. But I would say when he came up, he was a good defensive player. Now he's elevated himself where he's played some center field last year, which is a big thing for a guy that that's he's big, six seven, two hundred eighty two 282 pounds, a center fielder. I mean, you don't see that every day. And a guy that, has limited, not necessarily gotten significantly better, but limited his strikeouts in comparison to his early seasons, too. 158 strikeouts last year is still a lot, but it's a lot compared to his rookie year where he struck out 208 times. So he's gotten better in a lot of areas. So it's definitely surprising that he would, one, turn down that kind of money where because of his age and because of the market, it's definitely hard for him to that. Now, I don't know if he anticipates playing some center field this year. It's going to be hard if Aaron Hicks does stay healthy, and also with the other depth that they have now too, uh, bringing in the bringing in the depth that they did. But still, I think Aaron Judge is banking on two things here: one, his popularity; he's a face of baseball, top five, probably selling jersey every year, and one of the names that's most notable. And two, maybe another team that isn't a contender or maybe a fringe contender to overpay for him because I don't think I think what the Yankees paid him is a pretty reasonable market value and it's surprising I think St. Louis will be interested in him in the offseason oh, sure. I wouldn't be surprised if Houston makes a bid for him especially losing Correa in the offseason Houston I think the reason why they didn't want to pay Correa 300 million dollars and Correa believes he's worth that money right. and 
take Twins giving him 105 for three years, I think it was an affordable move, but everybody believes that Correa won't be a twin by the end of the season. I think he will be traded at the trade deadline. The Twins are not a playoff team this year. I don't think they're a playoff team this year. So, to me, where you look at this Aaron Judge move and what the Yankees are really going to go into the offseason wondering what they're going to do is, who is going to be the team that's going to outbuild the, outbid that contract and who is going to offer him the $240, $250 million he thinks he's going to get? If he gets $240 million for the seven-year deal that he, the Yankees have offered him, you're, he's going to be arguably the highest-paid player in Major League history. Because if you look... At right now, Mike Trout is making a he had a four hundred million dollar contract, but he got a four hundred million dollar contract, I think, for ten years or eleven mm-hmm. years. It was four hundred fifty for twelve out. years. Yeah, yeah, it was spread out. All these contracts are spread out. If Aaron Judge gets a seven year deal worth about two hundred forty, that's an estimated number between forty and forty three million dollars, which would make him he'd be making as much as Max Scherzer, right. but he would be the highest paid player in Major League history. Now, if you sit here today. Does anybody think that Aaron Judge is the best player in the league right now? And the answer is no. Is he a top 10 player? Probably. I would say he's 10 or 9 if you want to argue that. But there are a lot of great players in this league. And you can, you, you can look at all these players, their strengths and their weaknesses, and you would have to sit here and say that Aaron Judge could worry you if you give him that seven-year deal. And it, $213 million for the Yankees. I think that's a good contract for the Yankees. I think that was a high offer for the Yankees. But I I can't see Brian Cashman or Hal Steinbrenner pushing any more than that. Now, if Aaron Judge hits 40 home runs this year and and clobbers 120 RBIs and uh, his batting average is 280, 285, well, then he's going to get that money. Because to me, if Aaron Judge could stay healthy again for 140 games, 138 games, you have to pay him that money because there'll be other teams like Boston, like Houston, like St. Louis, like maybe even the Dodgers. Padres, if they want to, yeah. The Padres that want to open up their pockets to bring in a superstar player to play and sell jerseys. He is your guy. And so. a team that isn't as big of a market as the Yankees are, are going to take that into account in order to get their popularity up, their fan The Yankees don't care about that. The Yankees don't need it because they're a great national brand as it is. So if Aaron Judge gets $250 million from a mid-market team or maybe a newer team that... He might even get more than that. Right. That's what I'm saying. I think a team that maybe is... I'm not going to say a a rebuilding team. I'm going to say... I'm just like a fringe playoff team that maybe isn't a popularity team. That's why I think the Padres are the perfect example of that. They're kind of a rising market now Mm. with a lot of the young talent that they have. They're playing well, too. I think they're 4-1. Yeah, they're they're, they're 4-1. They lost the first game of the season on a walk-off and then they've won every other game since. And I didn't even know Tatis is out for three months. Yeah, but still, like that kind of team, which has been kind of a dead, dead baseball market for a while, not really a great sports city as it is, now is starting to get some popularity with the Padres because of the flair, because of the young talent that they have. And a name like Aaron Judge is definitely going to be something that could trigger more young fans to make it a baseball city because, again, they really have, they have minor league sports, they have soccer, they, uh, they, they lost the Chargers, so they don't really have much. So they really have a chance and opportunity to grow that kind of thing. And there'll be other markets like that, too, that might pay the extra money for somebody like Aaron Judge, who is a big name, a guy that's popular with kids. He, he signs autographs all the time. He's very good in the community. So I, I, I expect... If Aaron Judge hits the free agency market, which I believe he will now because the, the Yankees didn't give him the extension, if he really wanted to stay a Yankee that badly, he would have signed that deal. It is so very interesting 
and 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 I said this on the um, the weekend uh, the weekend crunch that the Yankees over the years have never been outbid for their own players right. ever. They've never been, and and really it all started I would say about. Ten years ago, with Robinson Cano, when they got outbid by Seattle, the Seattle Mariners outbid the Yankees for their best player in Robinson Cano, and then they bring in Jacoby Ellsbury for 160, 170 million dollars, and it was one of the worst contracts in Yankees history, and one of the worst contracts we've ever seen in baseball history. Not, not that it worked for the Mariners either, but okay. <laughs> Robinson Cano, still, yeah, he, he had a couple good seasons, but. couple of good seasons. He had like four seasons that were really, really good for the six years, seven years that he was there. Now, obviously, they they gave him a huge contract. Uh, I I really thought if you, if you're going to pay Jacoby Ellsbury 170 uh, to to spend a 50 million dollars more, I would have I would absolutely given it to Robert, Robinson Cano. Right. At least you would have gotten three or four good seasons out of Robinson Cano. To Jacoby's Ellsbury's maybe one if you were lucky. Right, and how injury prone he was at that time, and also at that time too, 2014. There weren't a lot of great power hitting second baseman at that time. Now there's more, but still at that time, factor it in. Give him a, give him the six year deal, five, even five year deal, and they could have paid him more money too if they were worried about injuries or something like that. Then you get the market value. Look how many outfielders the Yankees come up with all the time. Not that the infield development is bad, but it's a little harder to come by. No, and and, and that's where I think the Yankees are at right now. It, it's it's wheeling and dealing. They're not going to overpay players anymore, and they're going to lose players in the future because with baseball and these billionaire owners out there willing to spend money, even small marketplaces are willing to spend money to bring in a big name player that's going to put fannies in the seats. The Yankees are going to lose players. They're just not there. And they look at the John Carlos Stanton thing, and I know a lot of people say it, but they still took on a contract. They didn't give up much, but they still took on a contract. Now, is John Carlos Stanton the same player as Aaron Judge? I would say he is. Yeah. He is the same player. They average almost the same amount of home runs to the same amount of RBIs. And I think that's the way the Yankees are going to look at it going into the offseason. They're not going to overpay Aaron Judge because if they lose Aaron, they still have Giancarlo Stanton. You know, he's not as good an outfielder as, as Aaron Judge, but he has just as much power. And that's the way the Yankees are going to look at it. Now, Juan Soto might become available, and uh, there are stories coming out that the Yankees are going to be very interested in Juan Soto if he becomes available. But there's no guarantees that's going to happen. And the Nationals haven't come out and said that they're going to obviously trade him. They still have control of him for another two years after this year. So that doesn't guarantee anything for the Yankees if they lose Aaron Judge. So I think you Yankee fans that are sitting here, and I know a lot of Yankee fans don't want to see Aaron Aaron Judge to go. I, I, I absolutely know that. I have Yankee fans that I talk to all the time that are upset about this. They're hearing the story that the, the Yankees should pay him whatever he wants. No, the Yankees should not pay him for whatever he wants. Yeah, sometimes you can't go too high because you don't want the player. If, if other players see that you're going to pay Aaron Judge, $250 million, and he can't stay healthy. What do you think Glaber Torres is going to do in two years or three years if he has two or three really good straight seasons and stays healthy and actually starts hitting the ball? And that's what a lot of the Yankee fans don't realize, too. There's a difference between the actual level of the player and the popularity of the player. You could be a popular guy. Uh, not that Aaron Judge... I'm not, again, Aaron Judge is not a bad player. I'm not saying that. But you could be productive as a consistent player throughout the time and be healthy and not get that same kind of money because he isn't a big name. And you could be somebody 
popular that you're going to get that kind of name to get the names they could get overpaid as a result too by these like you were saying these fringe market type teams right. just because to get the popularity up now the Yankees I don't think well, the Yankees are not going to have that problem because they're a huge name as a franchise and again a lot of these other big markets are going to be like that too so that doesn't mean that the Yankees couldn't get Aaron Judge or any big other big market couldn't get Aaron Judge you brought up the Red Sox yep. and I'm sure there's plenty of other teams that spend a lot of money that is going to go to push for him. How about a team like the Phillies? They spend money galore. And, and Joe Girardi's there. <laughs> and Joe Girardi's yeah. there. And if Joe Girardi stays there, I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia gives him an offer sheet that's going right. to out, outwit the Yankees. And I'm telling you right now, I, mark my words, ladies and gentlemen, if he doesn't somehow sign a contract before season's end, and he already said he's not signing any contract nope. until the season is over, which means he's going to be – uh, an unrestricted free agent, which means he is going to be available to the league and interview uh, with position, you know, different teams and, and position himself very well for him and his family and his new wife. Aaron Judge is not going to be a Yankee. I'm, I'm just letting you guys know right now. I, I've called it. If he goes to free agency, he's gone. He's going to free agency. So mark my words on this. You could take this to the bank. Aaron Judge will not be a New York Yankee next year. And again, this is a risk for him, too, because he's banking on himself to stay healthy, and he's banking on himself to stay consistently. And if he gets hurt, then there's no way the Yankees are paying him. There's no way the Yankees are going to pay him, and it's going to drop his overall market value, too. There might be that team here and there that's going to pay him $10, $20 million extra to be a small market boost for a team like that just to get the popularity up. But still, that team is going to come at a random time. And if he does stay healthy and he doesn't hit for average and he doesn't hit home runs and he doesn't get RBIs, he's going to lose that money because the Yankees aren't going to give him that money either. So a lot of people are going to say, well, it's still Aaron Judge. He stayed healthy, so we're going to – there's no way any team, if his market stay, if he has a good season, his market is going to go up. If his, if his season's eh – He's got to either take the money that the Yankees offered him if the Yankees still have it on the table. They might not have it on the table. So it's just – it's so interesting. This whole Aaron Judge situation, it's going to be interesting moving forward. If you're a Yankee fan, if you're a Mets fan, because I could see the Mets. I could see the White Sox. Why wouldn't the Mets give the Yankee – give Aaron Judge an offer? Mm -hmm. I mean, Steve Cohen opens up his pockets for whatever he wants. He spent $850 million in two years. I mean, what what is what is another two hundred and fifty million, three hundred million? Oh, good. We're gonna have the first uh, one billion combined uh, payroll for th- a three year span. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. He's the richest. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it either. I, I could absolutely see the Mets land Aaron Judge and really stick it to the Yankees. Uh, by the way, Carl also agrees with you. Judge to White Sox in the offseason. Yeah, I, I <laughs> think that also says hashtag ban the beef. I, I absolutely believe that he will not be a Yankee next year. Unfortunately for you, Yankee fans, I'm a Yankee fan too. I'm just expecting, and I, I, I love Aaron Judge. I really do. I, I really like the kid. I think he's, he, he, he really is a good Samaritan for the New York Yankees, a good leader. I never liked Derek Jeter. Anybody that knows me, I never was a Derek Jeter fan. Mm-hmm. Never. So uh, I do like Aaron Judge, and I think he, he should, and, and the Yankees should have given him the captaincy. I'm so very surprised he's not the captain of this team. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to WVIOX. Uh, uh, well, let's call it WVOX, College Hoops Chat, radio show host, Jim Maciano. Yes, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 
We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Lab Lounge. You can call us at 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wow, wow, wow. 30 minutes of Aaron Judge talk. And just saddens all Yankee fans. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of evil texts tonight stating that I am pushing Aaron Judge out of the New York Yankees organization. I'm just speaking the truth for all you Yankee fans, including mine, yours truly. I just don't think the Yankees are going to keep him. I just don't see it. That's, I think that was the highest they're going to go for $213 million seven years, which would equal almost $36, $37 million a year with incentives. But that's just me. Well, we have our first guest. We are now talking to W Vox College Hoops Chat ra- Radio host Jim Maciano. What's going on, Jim? Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for the invitation. Nice to be here tonight. Uh, enjoyed your chat on Aaron Judge. Since I'm a New York Mets fan, it's much more fun for me to watch the whole thing. Well, I will say this: I, I'm not going to be surprised if the Mets are going to make a bid for him in the off season. Because why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Absolutely. Uh, if he becomes available. Uh, he, I know he wants to stay in New York. That's where uh, him and his wife uh, just bought their first and new house. So why wouldn't they want to stay there? And if it's not the Yankees that are going to give him the $250, 260000000 he thinks he's going to get, well, why not the Mets? And I could see the Mets absolutely doing that. Wouldn't shock me. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't shock me. Right now I'm more worried about Jacob DeGrom coming back in the next couple of months. That's my major priority in life. Well, you say in the next couple of months uh, – I, I will say this. Uh, I don't be surprised if Jacob DeGrom doesn't come back until probably the end of June. Uh, that's where I, I feel that that's where it's going to shock fall. me. Yeah. Would not shock me. They're going to be extra careful, obviously, with him when he comes back. And uh, he, look, I wouldn't be shocked if he came back after the All-Star break. Here's the problem with Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom can opt out of his contract uh, th- at the end of this year, which means if the Mets sit back and say Jacob DeGrom is only going to pitch – two and a half months, three months this year, and he only gets 15 starts, do you extend him? He is going to want Max Scherzer money. That's what he's going to want. Uh, and Max, he's a better pitcher than Max Scherzer. Let's be honest. When he is on the top of his game, there's no pitcher in baseball as good as Jacob DeGrom. There's just nobody. So when you look back and you look at what he is now for what he was two, three years ago, it should worry you as a Met fan because – he will opt out of that contract, which makes him an unrestricted free agent. And, 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 and like I said, yes, the Mets have the money. Yes, Steve Cohen has the money. That doesn't mean they're going to extend him. You know, there's a similarity in these conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge is a homegrown player. He turned into a star, mm-hmm. uh, but injuries have been an issue. Jacob DeGrom is a homegrown player. He turned into a star. Injuries are an issue. It's, there's a similarity between the two. Wouldn't it be so funny that Jacob DeGrom goes to the Yankees and Aaron Judge goes to the Mets? That would be – that would be, that would be re- and they both get hurt and their their careers are over. <laughs> Listen, I just want to beat the Phillies tonight. If I could just get past the Phillies tonight and go 4-2 and two with the Mets, I'll be happy. So why don't we get into your, your career as a, a College Hoops chat radio show host? What made you get into Radio 1? Two, how long you've been in it? And three – what is it like being a college radio show host? So a couple things. So I'm an attorney by trade. That's what I've done for my life. But I also was an elected official. 
And when I started running for office back in the 90s, WVOX, they're going to love that you called them Vox. I'm going to tell them that. They're going to get a great kick out of it. They go by WVOX, but um, uh, they called me. I, I ran for office for the mayor of my hometown. I was 32, living at my parents' house. I ran for mayor of my home, home city, New Rochelle, New York, and almost won. It was very close. And because of that, they offered me a radio show to talk about public events. Hmm. So I've been on WVOX since 1996. Wow. Um, and then over the years, I did get elected, and I was a, a legislator for 20 years. Then I retired. Then they kept me on after I retired to continue to talk about public affairs. But when I retired as a legislator and just got a nine-to-five job in government, I, what I do is for a living is I'm the Westchester County Consumer Protection Director. I run the department that protects uh, consumer protection in Westchester County. <laughs> Great job. I'm a very, very happy guy. And But the cool, cool thing about it was when you're a politician – you, you work all day, then you go to events all night. Your right. life is not your own. Right. Um, when I became the consumer protection director, I was a nine-to-fiver for the first time in my life. Now I found some extra time. I went to VOX and said, you know, I'm a college basketball nut. I love college basketball. I've been watching college basketball since eighth grade, in my uh, hiding in my bedroom watching Marquette beat North Carolina in 1977 for the national championship. Mm-hmm. So that's how long I've been watching college basketball. So they said, sure. Two years ago, we started the show. And one of the, the things we thought would help the show was that Rick Pitino just took the job at Iona College. Mm. So we thought in our listening base, uh, New Rochelle, New York is where Iona is, is where WVOX is. People would be more interested in college basketball because of Pitino. And that did turn out to be true. Uh, Rick Pitino certainly kind of changed the dynamic of uh, suburban New York City basketball. A lot of people became Iona fans real fast mm. uh, when you had a, a Hall of Fame coach there. So I started the show last year, and it's a labor of love, probably kind of like you guys, a labor of love. I, I do the show every Monday night for an hour. I talk about college basketball all week on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, I'm having the time of my life. Mm. That's the long answer to your question. I'm sure St. Peter's helped put your conference on the map too for for the uh, did. for Absolutely. other listeners. Iota was the regular season; they were the favorite. The year. What do you think about it? As I sat there and watched St. Peter's beat one team after Kentucky, Murray State, you know, Purdue, one team after I never stopped reminding myself. Iona beat them both times in the regular season. I watched both games. I was at the home game, so you know it's kind of crazy for Iona fans saying, "Wait, what?" <laughs> what, what just happened? We beat them twice in the regular season. We were the regular season champ, and they lost in the first round of the tournament. Well, actually, the second round because they did the bot and play in. But they, they lost to them, team number nine. Mm. Rick Patino, Hall of Fame coach with a really good team, lost to number nine in the tournament. It was kind of shocking. And this was the same Iona team last year that held up, held tough with a number two Alabama last year that was one of the best yeah. regular season teams. So definitely you know, surprising. The theory was, if you give Rick Pitino a week to prepare for anyone, uh, his team will be in the game, which turned out to be true that day. Well, if anybody can get that team into the tournament and, and to go far in the tournament, it's Rick Pitino. He just needs to stay away from doing stupid things off the court, which we've seen many, many times. Sure. No, I think that's all. Look, I think he's at Iona College. It's, it's no longer at a blue blood like Louisville and Kentucky, uh, where I think they're more tempted to cut corners. I think, you know, he's 69 years old, something like that. I think he, this is his, he's saying this is his last job. I think he just wants to coach and have fun mm-hmm. and do well. And he's doing that. 
We are talking to uh, WVOX, College Hoops Chat radio host, Jim Maciano. So, Jim, let's get into the other sports that you really follow. You follow the Giants, you follow the Mets, and you follow the Rangers. So let's go in quickly to hockey uh, with the Rangers. The Rangers clinched a playoff spot over the weekend. And now, uh, moving on to the playoffs there, right now, if the season were to end, they'd match up against the Washington Capitals. Looking into round number one against the Washington Capitals, which, by the way, they've had a lot of bad luck over the years against the Washington Capitals. Are you happy about this matchup if this winds up to be the matchup? Yeah, I have no problem with it. I think that uh, this Ranger team can play and beat uh, the Capitals. I don't feel like uh, intimidated. You know, the funny thing, uh, back in the uh, 2015, 2014, 2016, we did pretty well against the Capitals. Mm-hmm. A little bit later, we struggled with them. In the Lundquist days where we went to the finals against the Kings, uh, we we actually beat the Capitals in the playoffs those yes. years. So, you know, it's up and down. It's back and forth. Hockey's a crazy sport. It's really about the chemistry and how a team getting hot in the playoffs. And um, I guess like, so as we sit here, we don't know who's going to get hot right now. Mm-hmm. That year, 2015, when the Rangers lost in the finals, nobody thought the L.A. Kings were going to win the championship. Nobody, mm-hmm. like in, in March, would have thought the Kings. They had a great goalie. They had a very good team. But um, they struggled in every round of the playoff, and somehow – won the Stanley Cup. So, you know, hockey's, you know, teams don't tend to repeat only every now and then. Right. Um, but it's uh, it's uh, a tough playoff. So Rangers have a great goalie. Uh, they've got some good veteran players that are having good seasons. I'm not going to sit here and tell you we're going to win the Cup, but I think we're a viable team that can go a couple rounds. <laughs> that Kings team was down 3 nothing to the Sharks, too, in the first Remember round. That? And, yeah. yeah. I and... think they had seven-game playoffs in the first three rounds. Yeah, yeah, the, the Anaheim and the Chicago ones weren't. Yeah, yeah. So it was a crazy team. So, um, no, I was just going to Yeah, I, so, yeah, look, I'm excited. Listen, considering that only a couple of years ago, the Rangers tore it all down to build it back up. And here we are already with a with a team with one of the better records. I will I will give Chris Drury a lot of credit. I am I know Chris. I actually played hockey against Chris oh, Drury. Wow. Yes. Uh, so I know him personally. He's he's a great athlete. He played in the Little League World Series. Guys an unbelievable athlete. I did not think this was going to be a successful moment. We have to see, you know, obviously next year and the year after how this team is going to get built because they're going to lose players. They don't have a lot of money in the offseason. So I'm going to be very interested how he put keeps this team together or what he's going to do in trades. Are they going to trade Capococco? Are they going to trade Lafanier or somebody like that where they can add some defense? What are you going to do with Strom? Yep. And what Strom, are you going to do with Strom? I, I think Ryan Strom's just a, an add-on type of player. I, I, he's had but, a good – the bread man loves him. Yeah. The bread man loves him. Who's the bread That's man? the bottom line. I mean, Go he on. loves to play with him. So that changes the dynamic in making the decision. You know, I just think he's an above average center, but he, they have a symmetry, Panarin and Strom, and it's really worked for the last couple of years. And that's a factor they got to face. So I don't know if they can keep Strom based on everything you just said. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of young guys coming up looking for contracts too. Yeah, I don't think they keep in Ryan Strom. That's just me. I, I think the Rangers in position, and I, and I think that's why the the Islanders were very very smart, and they had a really tough season with the COVID situation, and then obviously not having a home game in the beginning of the season. Uh, the Islanders they're playing good hockey right now, but a little too too late, a little too late. Uh, I, I but I think they kept all their players; they're all under contract, and they're bringing back Zach Parisi, they're bringing back Clutterbuck, and they're going to have a lot of money. They're going to have like. 
14, 15 million if if Alamov is gone, they're going to have to they'll have enough money where if they want to bring two stars in to play on this team offensively, they can. So the Islanders, right. I expect next year to be and they have a great goalie too. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, but I really want to get into uh, now moving on to the Giants and, and the New York Giants. Uh, the draft is right around the corner. Me and Speedy have been talking about this. Uh, where do the Giants go at number? Uh, you know, at draft pick five and seven? I really think the weakness part of this team is their offensive line. They have Thomas there. This is a very weak line. And if they think Daniel Jones is the future of this team, which I believe he still is, if they put the right pieces around him, they need to draft at five an offensive lineman and at seven an offensive lineman and solidify this offensive line for the next five to six years. There is zero doubt in my mind that they're taking uh, a lineman in the first round. I think it's going to be the guy from Alabama, mm-hmm. but they're taking an offensive lineman to tackle, obviously, uh, in the first round and their first pick of the two that they have back with those two early picks. Um, I don't think there's any doubt. I think you're right, 100% right. I'm with you. Yes. Offensive line. So Daniel Jones, he's getting, he's getting the one more year at least for now. We've heard the front office said they're still not sure with the with the new staff they brought in with Joe Shane now. So would you give Daniel Jones this this one more chance? And if if so, and if not, is there a quarterback you would want in this draft? I think the quarterbacks in this draft, there's a question mark next to all of them, whether they're going to be a franchise quarterback. Listen, by the way, all the great quarterbacks coming out of college have question marks because there's been an awful lot of Ryan Leaks over the years, right? They came out, everybody said they were going to be great, and they weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe 50% of the first round, early first round quarterback picks really become franchise quarterbacks, maybe only half. So uh, I don't. none of these guys jump out at me as a sure thing, but maybe some of them will be. Look at Lamar Jackson that year, right? He was like, what, the fourth quarterback picked, and he turned out to be one of the better ones. So, Everyone wanted him to play wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, they want to play wide receiver. So uh, I think they're I, – I, I bet you that the Giants go offensive line ta- tackle. I bet you they take the Alabama guy. Well, and Neil, then, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Neil's going to be there at five. I, I really no, don't. No, you don't? Really no. interesting. All right, no. So uh, I haven't looked at that as closely as you. I know that's who they want. Then they got the guy from North Carolina State and the guy from Mississippi. I, I, I think that if Neil falls to the Jets, the Jets will trade out of that fourth pick because a lot of teams will be sitting there wanting that pick. And I okay. think the Jets will, be, Jets will be willing to let a team at seven or eight jump the spot and get a, 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 an extra second-round pick. Uh, in the second round to give them an additional third second round pick. I could see the Jets doing that, uh, especially Neil. Neil is the best offensive lineman in this year's draft, as uh, you know, as what people are saying that he is. There's still a question on on how he's going to fall. There is rumors that Houston is absolutely targeting uh, Sauce Gardner. Mm-hmm. That's what I am reading, which means if Sauce falls to three, and 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 that could that could really ruin this whole draft board that everybody is looking at right now, because it's right now uh, it's Neil or Hutchinson at one and then Neil or Hutchinson at number two. And then everybody was talking about Thibodeau. If Thibodeau is not number three, I mean, if you're the Jets or the Giants at three, uh, I mean, four and five, you have to draft Thibodeau. I mean, because even though a lot of people are saying that he doesn't want to play football, they said that about Miles Garrett, Garrett too. 
And look at what Miles Garrett is. He's a, he's a reckoning machine. So if you have a guy like Thibodeau sitting there at four or five, if the Jets pass up on him, the Giants have to, they have to draft him. Well, they certainly since they've been trying to get an edge rusher since like uh, uh, Omanora and Strahan. I mean, it's been like that long. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. When you look at the tape and you look at the history of Thibodeau, I don't know if he's going to be a 10-15 sack NFL oh, player. I do. First of all, you do? You know, his his first step is as good as anybody right now in the NFL. Everybody oh, was talking. Everybody was if talking. You're correct. They should take him. <laughs> there. Here's the thing. Why did Why did Micah Parsons have so many sacks this year? Because of his first step, he's very fast off the edge. It's not. He's not big. He's not any of that. He's actually a small linebacker. He really is. He's stocky. He's like six foot one, and he's he's not heavy. He's like two hundred and thirty pounds. What made him so good is his speed, his first step. So, what do you need to be a great edge rusher? You need to have a good first step. Thibodeau, I think, is I think he is like. One faster step than Micah Parsons does at the edge. So he's bigger. He's stronger. I think Micah Parsons is going to be a beast. I mean, not Micah Parsons. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a beast in this league. The question is, is he going to go to the right team where they're going to put him in the right position to succeed? I don't know if the Giants are that team. They have an offensive-minded coach. Yes, they have Wink, John, uh, Wink um, Martindale. Martindale, who's a very good defensive you know, mind. I think he would fit better with the Jets because, obviously, Robert Sala loves those edge rushers, and he's, he's really developed good edge rushers over the years. So I, so, I still think the Jets, the Giants' number one priority in the first round is not edge rusher. I think it's offensive tackle. So I do, they too. Don't get, if they don't take, if they can't get Neal, uh, they take the guy from North Carolina State. I apologize, I can't say his name. I absolutely Aquatic. believe. But if Kip, if Thibodeau is there at five, you draft him. I, I'm telling you, it. it I'm going to throw can't... something out at you about yeah, the Giants. Go ahead, go ahead. If I was trying to help Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. and I think as what what did uh, Mara say? Mm-hmm. We've done everything we could to screw the kid up. Yes. So that quote he said. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, the one thing I would get him through the draft, maybe in the first round. I mean, it may happen in the second round, but um, I'd love to see them get a big-time receiver. Mm. Well, they drafted. I I don't feel great about the giant receiving core. You know, Shepard coming off injury. Tony, who's still kind of a question mark to me. And Galladay, who's always injured and didn't have a great first year. I really think if you want to help Daniel Jones, you get a lineman, but you better get him a good young receiver, too. I think Tony is still a very good wide receiver. And if he could stay healthy, he could stay on the field, I think Tony could be in a 1,000, 1,200-yard type of wide receiver that's going to give you seven, eight touchdowns. He's got the speed. He's very hard to tackle. The problem with Tony is it's the same problem as Odell Beckham had. He says things and does things on the field that pisses people off. And I haven't seen him do anything off the field, but on the field, the guy talks, he yaps, he gets his teammates pissed off, and he gets the other team pissed off. And what did Odell Beckham do? What was he the king of doing that? He was he was the king of pissing other people off, including his teammates. So Tony's that type of player. He's a he's a flary personality, and I I think that he you need to be that way in New York, but not too much. Because it, it ran Odell Beckham out. And 
Odell's still a good player. He really is, and he's still available. The current team's lining, still lining up for him. I, I think he's going to go back. I think he's going to go to the AFC. That's where I think he's going. But that's so, just my opinion. I'll tell you what I think of Tony. I saw him play in college at Florida. My son goes to the University of South Carolina, mm-hmm. so I saw him play my son's school. Uh, I'm an SEC fan because my son's down there. Tony is a great um, – he's very fast. He's got great moves. He breaks tackles. He's an incredibly exciting receiver. I also think he could be a really good uh, punt returner as well. Um, I think he's a perfect punt returner. You know what he's not great at? Mm-hmm. Route running. He's never been a great route runner his whole life. He's never really done that. He was more of a gadget guy, you know, sometimes playing flanker, sometimes coming out of backfield and catching passes. So I still think of him. I don't disagree that he's an incredibly exciting guy with lots of talent, but he's got a long way to go develop to be a top wide receiver at NFL. I don't see that happening this year. Hmm. So, so you mentioned, you mentioned the offense that, Tony is that type of player. They bring in a new offensive coach in Brian Dable, who has been much more creative things than we've seen past Giants offensive coordinators do, sure. where they're not going to use gadget players creatively as it is. So what do you think about Dable's offensive scheme coming to the Giants with these skilled players and uh, what he could bring as a head coach in terms of the Bills culture, bringing that over to the Giants? Well, he's certainly going to allow Daniel Jones to run more because I can't believe how much they let Allen run. The last couple of years you watched Buffalo – I'm like an, I'm not even a Buffalo fan. I'm a poor nervous wreck every time I see Allen run with the ball because mm. you hate to see a, a superstar quarterback like that get hurt on a run. Right. And sometimes he doesn't always slide, Allen. Um, so I think Daniel Jones is going to run a lot more, especially since they don't even have him signed after after this year. He might be running a lot this year. Mm. Um, no, no, I think he, I think he's a great offensive mind, uh, and um, I think it's certainly going to improve. I mean, last year was a disaster. And uh, the giant offense lane was an absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how else you could look at it, right? They fired the offensive coordinator uh, at about 10 games. Then they brought that former Cleveland Brown coach in Kitchens. Oh, the God. whole thing was a disaster right. for the entire – all 17 games was a disaster. Right. So they could only get better, and they're going to. It's very interesting, especially, by the way, we are talking to WVOX College Hoops Chat radio show host Jim Maciano. Uh, I I will say this, and and we'll get off the Giants, but the thing that I'm very interested to see this year is what they're going to do with Daniel Jones because they they finally have a viable uh, uh, second-string quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. I think that was a good move by the New York Giants, especially with Daniel Jones, and if they don't, really find the protection that he needs this off season. They're going to have a long, he's going to have a long season this year running for a dear life. And the giants, their schedule is, is, is a very good schedule. I mean, the giants could win 10 games this year. They really could. The schedule absolutely falls in their favor and that division's favor. They have some of the easiest games this year. So, I think the Giants are positioned very, very well. To, if if Dabo can get them somewhat healthy this year and they don't get so many injuries and they, they get a viable offensive line, I think uh, the Giants are going to be positioned very, very well. well that's a big question. Uh, Do they get a viable off? Right now they have Max Garcia, who is a cast-off from Arizona. Not bad, but a cast-off. Mm-hmm. Andrew Thomas who looks really good. They got Feliciano uh, from the uh, Bills, Buffalo, who was yeah. kind of a part-time Started part-time backup. Mm-hmm. They got Glowinski from Indiana. He's very good. And then the other tackle, Matt Pert. That ain't that ain't happening, Matt Pert. Well, they're going to draft. They're definitely. Tough. 
they're definitely drafting a tackle. And I, if they don't draft two tackles in the in the first round, they'll draft a guard. There's a lot of good guards in in the later rounds. This is this is Another a guard. Another position draft. we didn't talk about. Yeah. With the Giants, that worries me about the offense is tight end. I mean, I'm not feeling Ricky Seals Jones is the answer. I mean, he's not a bad player, but I, you know, again, if you look at it, Galladay injury prone, didn't have a first good year. Tony, lots of talent, explosive, not a great route runner. Shepard coming off injury. Your tight end is Ricky Seals Jones. Are you guys feeling that that's the type of receiving core? That's going to help Daniel Jones a lot this year? No. I don't think so. I think they go for McBride in the second round. A lot of teams are going to be looking at McBride. I think he will fall to the second round. Uh, if he's still sitting there, wherever the – I don't know where the Giants are drafting. Uh, early in the second round. Yeah, so. they, they can get themselves McBride, and they can really solidify that uh, tight end position. I think he's the best tight end on the board. If not, I'm I'm that saying, kid I think they so need a lot good. of things to help Daniel yeah. Jones on offense. So I can't get into this 10-win conversation until yeah. we fix all these problems. Um, Tight end, line, wide receiver, maybe QB. I mean, no, I think it's they're I think they're I think they're set in QB. I really like Daniel Jones. I think if they put the right pieces around him, he'll succeed. Uh, to finish up with you, I, I want to get into the um, New York Mets and the Mets going into this season. A lot of Mets fans were very excited. I mean, Marte, I Lind- am Lindor having you know a good spring training, which means nothing. Uh, you bring in Max Scherzer. Uh, you thought that you were going to have Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer in the top of that rotation for the whole season, 30 starts. I mean, that would have been a dynamic one-two punch we've never seen before. Uh, it didn't fall that way. I didn't think it was going to fall that way. Max isn't 100% healthy as well as Jacob DeGrom. Uh, you know, it really looked good. His his first start was Bassett. I, I thought he was fantastic, by the yeah, way. Yeah, looks he, he was great last year. He was an all-star. Yeah, he he's he, he looks fantastic. He really does. I think he's looked the best out of all the pitchers for the Mets. But what are your thoughts going into this season? What is your expectations? How many wins do you think this team has? So let me speak for Mets Nation, if I may. Mm-hmm. We are all so happy with Uncle Stevie. That's what we call him, Uncle Stevie, our new owner, because he's going to spend money. After all those years of Wilpon trying to use the team, to pay themselves back from the Madoff debt. So the very fact that we have a payroll close to $300 million is so shocking to Met fans. All we can do is jump up and down with glee and happiness. All right, so start there. Before we even get into the players, we're happy. We love Uncle Stevie. We love Buck Showalter. We have an adult, someone that actually knows what he's doing as a manager with massive experience um, that's turned around a lot of teams. Maybe he never won the big one. But he made a lot of teams better in his life. Four times did he take a team and make them much better. So I got Show Walter. I got Uncle Stevie. Uh, Uncle Stevie goes and, and gets me um, four big-time free agents, right? Mm-hmm. Eduardo Escobar, uh, Kanha, uh, Sterling Marte, and, of course, the great Max Scherzer. So how the heck can Met fans not be optimistic? I mean, look what we have now. A guy with $15 billion that wants to make us good. Mm. So we're just, what I'm trying to say is we're happy. We're very, very happy. Mm. We're on the right track. I think we're going to win 90-plus games. Wow. I think we're going to go to the playoffs. And if, if DeGrom and Scherzer are healthy for the playoffs, watch out for the Mets. Wow. A lot of optimism there. So what, if, what was your impression of 
the first couple games so far with the bullpen because it's been kind of shaky to start the season. That was the one area they really didn't spend a lot of money and they lost Aaron yeah, Loop. True. And also with these other pitchers hurt, can you trust even some of the young fringe pitchers to really get it going? Because we know the lineup is talented and deep. Well, look, I am not a huge Diaz fan, although I'm a Mets fan, because he seems to pitch like really well 10 times in a row. They get blown out two times in a row. He's kind of an odd guy. Sometimes the pressure gets to him, yet he's got tremendous stuff. And he's, he's my closer, and I wish him well. But I'll tell you who I love over the years, and he didn't have a good year last year, but he had some injury issues. But the prior three or three, Seth Lugo's been great. He's been a great pitcher in the Major League Baseball. Look at his numbers. He's been a very strong relief pitcher. So we, we have him, right? Uh, we got the guy, the former Yankee and Red Sox uh, guy. Avino. Avino. Uh, Trevor May's hurt now, so I don't know what's going on with him. Drew Smith is okay. Um, to answer your question, they may need another arm in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, I, I Right now, you need to look at where they're at with Trevor May hurt, right? They didn't bring back Loop, which I thought was a big mistake. And now um, they may need another arm. Yeah. I, I don't. I have no argument with you there. Although I'm wondering if the starters are going to be okay. I don't know, you know, when we got to wait for DeGrom to come back. But I have some hope for Carrasco. I like Walker, Bassett. Has looked really looked really great in that first start. He was great last year. Scherzer, Scherzer. So um, and and uh, McGill, the guy pitching tonight. How about him? He pitched great opening day. I'm going to throw you a, a curveball. Bassett has the best record as a starting pitcher for the New York Mets this year. That's what I think is going to happen. So um, I, I, I I I was I was very surprised at his stuff and what he has. I, I think he has amazing stuff, and, and he he really was a good. Baseball. I heard he was a good basketball player. He was a better basketball player than a baseball player, but he just he threw a 92, 93 mile per hour fastball uh, when he was in college, and he they they forced him to play baseball, and he he didn't even get, I don't even think he got drafted. Okay, right. so which is is pretty amazing story, and he's he's a fantastic pitcher, he really is. Guys, uh, I'm a Mets fan. We've not had a great twenty years, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we're seem like we're on the right track right now. Uh, I, I'm an old man. You guys are these young guys. I'm an old man. I'm I've learned there, man. patience. What's that? I'm getting there. I'm going to be 40 this year. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to be 60 on my birthday. So, ah, oh, 60. That's really old. Two milestones. Um, but I've learned patience. And sometimes you just have to enjoy the ride. And with the Mets this year, we're on the right track. We have a lot more talent than we've had the last few years. The t- By the way, and the team seems like it's being run properly. Right. You know, we're investing in analytics. We're investing, doing a better job with the minor league program. Um, it seems like we're on the right track. All I want from the Mets this year, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, we're going to win the World Series. I have no freaking clue. But I think we're on the right track. I think we'll be a playoff team. And I think a lot of Mets fans will be thrilled with that, just mm-hmm. to get back to the playoff and know the team is on the right track. I see. Uh, so before we let you go, if and you said the Mets are going to have ninety wins, that, which I think is a little too high, but I, I predicted what did I say eighty six? No, I think you said ninety one. I said eighty six. Did, did I say you oh, said yeah? You said, said both, you, you said the Yankees ninety six and the Mets ninety one. All right, I, and I, I said eighty six. All, right, all right, so I, I did say ninety one. All right, uh, I you see it just shows you my 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 memory. Um, before we let you go, what player on the Mets do you think is going to stand out from all the rest this year, and why? Lindor. Really? I think Lindor goes back to being one of the premier shortstops in baseball. I think whatever happened last year is over. I think 
I think he feels better now. He's comfortable with the team. He's got a lot of talent around him. And I think Lindor bounces back and has a big, big season. Interesting. All right, my last question. I see you're wearing a North Carolina hat. Your reaction to them ending the storybook Please. career of Please. Coach K. Please, of course. And you're your, well, I have to do it. I have to do it. And we got a Duke fan sitting across from me right now. So, oh, uh, I didn't realize. So, we had uh, a what was your impression fan. of that of, of that game? This was such a nice conversation. So I heard we have a Duke fan here. <laughs> uh, well, we ha- we certainly enjoyed. Ending Coach K's career yeah, sure uh, and beating did. him not only in the Final Four, which was a dream come true, but beating him in Cameron that night where the whole freaking college basketball world acted like we weren't even at the game. Like we didn't even matter. Like we were just uh, a bunch of scrubs standing on the sideline. And then we went out in the court. As well as you should have been. <laughs> all your big Duke fancy people in the bleachers. And we kicked their butt. Yeah. We kicked their butt off the court. And then we did it again in the Final Four. Yeah. Want to ask that question again? Because I can answer that question all night. No, I think we heard tar enough of that. Tar Heels. <laughs> tar Heels. Yeah, you're, you're Tar Heels, all right. <laughs> you're, you need to be tar and quicksand. How's that sound? <laughs> anyways, uh, we really appreciate you, Jim, man. We really appreciate you taking the time and joining us. And uh, well, I know nice you're you me. absolutely. And we'd love to get you on again. Speedy sure. will definitely reach out to you. Uh, uh, you're a very good Samaritan and a very good legislator. So there you go. Thank you. Thank you. I had uh, a good run. It was fun. But he also, he also has a son that goes to South Carolina. Okay. So we have, to, we have to get him back on for college football season yeah, for Errol's favorite quarterback. Oh, please. He's a Gamecock. My yeah. son is a Gamecock. And by the way, they won the national championship in women's college basketball, as you guys know. I could tell you know your son. And they had a, such a they, dominant defense, too. There is a player that went to, what is it, South Carolina? Yeah. In South Carolina, who I can't absolutely stand. Well, that's yeah, that's a, that's what we'll have to get on for college football season. Uh, their new quarterback, Errol's not a fan of. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't like Spencer Rattler. Oh, I can't stand him. I, I can't. We have to all, but we have to love him now. He's our quarterback. I can't. And I want to tell you guys him. what my son did. Mm-hmm. So after they won the national championship for women's college basketball, mm-hmm. they have a tradition at South Carolina. Whenever they win a championship, the entire school descends on the fountain outside the library. And 5,000 kids jumped into the fountain to celebrate <laughs> the women winning national You know what I would have done? That's cool. You know what That's I would have done? I would have grabbed Spencer Rattler's legs and stuck it in there and, and be- dipped his head like I was dipping him in a I toilet bowl. I don't know bowl. if he was there. Give him a swirl or something. There. I got the video of my son jumping in the fountain. I don't know if Spencer was there. I'll check them. Well, you tell Spencer. I- I'd love to come down there and smack him around a couple of times. That, wow. kid, is- that kid is the most... Uh, What's the word? Narcissist. You think he's cocky. So he's a narcissist. Him and his family. They're a bunch of narcissist people. I watch QB1. It's an, it's enough. I, I know everybody says quarterbacks are narcissists. That kid is on a whole nother level of narcissism. So I, I just I don't like him. Maybe and, Spencer Rattler needs the intensity of the uh, the women's basketball team. Yeah, well, he, he likes to look at him, so there you go. Anyways, um, thank you, my thank friend. You. Thanks for the invitation. Nice Absolutely. We, we, we really enjoyed you, and uh, we'll have you on very, very soon, definitely. Great. Thank you, guys. Good chat. As you guys know, we were talking to WVIOX, College Hoops Chat Radio Show host, Jim Maciano. I like that, Speedy. Maciano. Mm-hmm. You like that? Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we, uh, we get our second guest on, and we'll be talking to MLB, outfield and Dodgers professional scout, Greg Golson. I, I, I want to finish up, and uh, let's 
Let's move on to other teams in baseball that really have stuck out so far early this season. To me, Speedy, I, I, I know where I'm going. What has really stuck out to you so far early this season, besides the Padres, who are on a whole nother level right now? I think they're the best team in baseball. Uh, I, without Tatis, they've been hitting the ball all over the place. Their pitching has been dominant. Their bullpen is even better. What has stuck, stuck out to you in the first weekend of baseball? So, so many of these lesser teams winning right away. So now it's early in the season, so how much is it going to last? But we've seen, we've seen the Rockies spoil the Dodgers so far. Uh, we've seen the Pirates spoil the Cardinals, and a lot, uh, who a lot of people are picking to win the National League Central this year. And I think the parity of the National League is definitely showing. We, we knew there would be some level of parity, but we also knew that the, you're still going to have your powerhouses of the Dodgers and the Braves and teams like that, and a lot of people thinking the Mets as well. And also, I think the amount of low-scoring games so far has been what has been the most surprising. So I think there was a stat through innings pitched, there were the least runs allowed in the in the first 5 games of a of a season or 4 games of a season has been the lowest in baseball and starting pitching allowed too with a lot of random guys just going off the Orioles shutting out the Brewers yesterday mm-hmm. like there were there's like a couple of those just random outings so far and the fact that these you had a hitting off a hitting type of year last year where it seemed like the, the Brewers have really started going. off very slow they started yep. off very strong in the beginning of the season last year this year I remember they they were like on a seven game winning streak or something. They're pitching. I didn't think they gave up a run in like the first three games or something. Oh, yeah. like that. Their, their stats actually the best too. So Corbin Burns last year, remember, had that streak where they went I think fifty eight straight innings without walking a, walking a batter. First first batter he faces the, this season he walks them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of funny. I just think as well though the, the way the random pitchers have played well because we've had instances where a lot of these other pitchers, these top pitchers, are either coming back from injury or struggled in their first starts too, but it's these newer pitchers, the younger pitchers that have really gotten it going so far too. And a lot of these just lesser teams really being pesky so far. A team like the Cubs that, yeah, we expect them to be better. I love what the Cubs did in the offseason. I really do. And uh, they're a young team, but they have a lot of pieces. that The Cubs could win this division. This is the, probably a very underrated division. Yep. Uh, St. Louis is good. Milwaukee is good. Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, eh. But uh, I, I expect uh, Votto to have a good season and certain players on that team uh, to have a good season. But they're not going to be any good. Yeah, they it, traded off too many pieces last year. Chicago, St. Louis, and Milwaukee all could be playoff teams. Mm-hmm. So that's a great division. And Chicago really stands out to me. I mean, uh, adding Stroman. Uh, Stroman looked good in his first start. I, I mean, to me, if Chicago can stay and keep the score you know, down this year, I think the Chicago Chicago Cubs could win 90, 92 games. Yeah, it's just a matter of getting some bounce back from a lot of their other veteran players, too, because the Cubs have some good young talent on this team. Patrick Wisdom had uh, 28 home runs last year, was a candidate for rookie uh, rookie of the year for a while until he got hurt right at the end of the season. By the way, our team's going to jump off a bridge not getting Suzuki because he already has, th- in, 12, in, in four games, he has three home runs and eight RBIs. I mean, another Japanese player that comes, uh, he's a star. By the way, do you know, that? You, did you see that Japanese pitcher that pitched the perfect game over the weekend? No, I didn't. They, he's the, he's going to be the big go-getter for teams in the offseason next year. He pitched a perfect game. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he will be after that if he, keep, if he keeps that up. Because... He throws between 95 and 96. Oh, yeah. Then they definitely will. He's, he's, better, he's better than Tanaka was coming out of Japan. Mm. So uh, this kid is is a real deal. He's twenty one years. He's twenty years old. By next year, he'll be twenty one years old. Now they have 
what do they have a draft now? Uh, something like that. It's a uh, oh, they have an international draft for the, I think for it's the a, Japanese players. I, I think there's an international. Oh, that's draft. cool. Yeah. That's that's actually really not cool. just for Japanese. Well, yeah, no, I figure that, but that's cool that they actually could go into the other like professional leagues because yeah, these other countries all they don't have just the amateur leagues. They have sometimes professional leagues where we see that, especially with Cuba. That's why a lot of the Cuban players when they came in the last. 10 years or so were veteran players when they came in, not just the 20 year olds that were just young prospects, but going back to the Cubs, they have a lot of the young talent on this team already. They traded for Nick Madrigal was the big prospect. They got from the white Sox when they traded Craig Kimball last year, who's has a lot of upside. I mentioned wisdom, Ian Happ. They have, they have a lot of guys that are still getting going. They still have Contreras there. Who's one of the best offensive catchers, not a great defensive catcher. So yeah, they definitely can. If somebody else drops off in that division, the Cardinals have a lot of talent on this team. The Brewers, they should be better. We'll see if their offense could play as well or they could play better because they've gotten off to a really bad start offensively because they still have the pitching and they still have the bullpen, but it's just a matter of other things. And I think for the Cubs, David Ross, I think, has done a good job as a manager so far. Just they had to overcome all the injuries. And like the Nationals fire sale last year, they fire sale pretty much everybody on their team. I'm so surprised that the Cubs were the only real big team that offered Suzuki the money that he got. I, I remember that I thought the Red Sox were going to win the sweepstakes for Suzuki. Yeah, I think I thought the Angels. I, I thought the Yankees were interested in him, too, at one point. Uh, and now the Cubs win him. And, and right now, it, I, I know it's only four games, but he leads the league, the National League in home runs, RBIs, and batting a- and average, batting average, which is 417. I mean, the guy has five hits yeah. and four runs. It's, it's, it's unbel- I know it's early, and everybody's, oh, it's early, stop talking about it. He's been hot. And you know who hasn't looked hot, which I love it, is Clint Frazier over there, who had a, a big mouth about the Yankees in the offseason, and look where he is right now. Uh, he's uh, eight at-bats, uh, two hits, and his batting average is two fifty. Great job, Clint. Great job. Well, he's not even a, a full-time starter. Doesn't but he's, got, he's going Great to play job. more than he did with the Yankees. Uh, he's a DH on that team. Yeah, he's going to play more than he did with the Yankees just because they still have the outfield depth to, to make that work. Uh, Hap, uh, obviously Hayward is not going to be anything, but uh, Suzuki – uh, Kid Ortega, who's a pretty good prospect for them too, and they have the they have the all around lineup depth where he's still going to hit lower in the lineup, so he's going to have to work his way up, especially if he does start slow and make that kind of thing happen. Because Contreras and Wisdom are both going to be in the middle of that batting order for the Cubs, and then mm-hmm. for the pitching too. They, Kyle Hendricks is always a boomer bust type pitcher every year, and then they got Stroman, who's a great first half pitcher, eh, not so much in the second half. We'll see if they can do yeah, that. But now. Marcus Stroman, being that he's in the National League, he's not going to have to face the power that he would be facing in the American League. Uh, there were stories coming out that he was interested in going to the American League East. There were stories uh, that he he would he would have went to the Yankees. I also right. heard I also heard that he was possibly interested in going back to the Blue Jays. I, I mean, there were so many things I heard in the off season, and he winds up at the Cubs. I think that's a good you know gl- a good landing spot for him. I think the Cubs are are definitely going to be a competitive team this year. I think their lineup is pretty good. And Suzuki, if, he, if he's anywhere what he was in Japan, right, he, right now he's on his way. To, he can hit 35, 40 home runs this year and gives you 100 RBIs. I mean, you got yourself a player over there. So, And the Cubs are going to create themselves with a high market potential. Now they're still trying to overcome a couple of the other bad contracts that they had. But still, I think I think they're, Hayward is the last one left currently on their roster. I think they're still pay, paying Lester technically, even though he retired. But they – 
beyond that, if they create themselves that good of a market for them with the young players that they have, they could become the next wave of those big spenders. We were talking about it with the Padres, how they've become that wave of big spenders. Obviously, the Red Sox have become a wave of big spenders. The Phillies, the ultimate one, I would say so far, uh, that aren't considered the largest of the largest market. But Chicago is a large market, and we saw the Cubs when they won the World Series the year before that. They spent on their big spending spree, too. Whether those contracts worked out for the long term or not, the broke the largest drought in sports history of winning a World Series. If you're a Yankee fan, the Yankees shut out the Blue Jays. Uh, they win this game. Great snag by DJ LeMayu at the end of the game. It really was. And uh, I expect the Yankees to be a good defensive team this year. I think that their mm-hmm. infield is as good as any infield defensively in the league with the players that they have there. So if they can stay healthy, uh, I mean, the Yankees could win, uh, you know, between 95 and 96 games. And, uh, that could be enough to win the American League East, especially the American League East. So uh, I, I, they've looked good. I, I, I obviously they be. It's going to be. I think it's them and the Blue Jays. I, right. I do think the Rays are still always a good team, and they're going to be a very big pain in the butt type of team. But I just don't think they have enough depth. I think the Rays will be more of a second half team. I think they still are trying to figure things out right now. Now they've played all right, but then again, they've beaten the Orioles. Big whoop. I mean, they're not, they're not supposed to be anything special this year. So. No, they haven't beaten anybody yet. And, and, right. And I expect everybody to beat on the Orioles this yeah. year. Even though they've, they're, they're kicking the crap out of uh, who they kicking? The Brewers. The Brewers. <laughs> the Brewers. <laughs> That's why I'm saying. Actually, <laughs> actually, they're losing. Milwaukee came back. Oh, 5-4. Oh, wow. Okay, it's yeah. Yeah, I, I saw they were losing, too. I'm like, what? Like, this is, I guess they're playing down him or something, and then the Brewers, I decided to wake up, I guess. But still, the Rays, I think, I'll get, once they get some things figured out, oh, because man. they try to win with creativity. Charlie must be else. jumping off a bridge right now. Atlanta's kicking the crap out of the Nationals right now. They, they won the first game, though, like 11-2 to or something like that, the Nationals, though. So they're another one of those teams that's just being a little pesky. They came back on the Mets the way they did on Sunday, which <laughs> they got the best. I, I think they have the best player in baseball right now. They really do. He's he's some player, man. Juan Soto's some player. I don't know how you you could trade a player like that, and uh, they can get a lot back. They're going to get a haul back, and that's that's what you got to look for. But he's the national, special. the Nationals again. It's an, they're another team in a weird position too, where they're trying to overcome. They went all in for this, a couple big contracts to get the World Series run going. Now, they were kind of the opposite of the Cubs where it was the little moves that won them more when those veteran guys stepped up, the random bullpen pitchers they brought in stepped up. and But they went on a very similar kind of fire sale. So they're trying to clear the money to try to make that kind of thing work where maybe there is a shot they still pay them. But, again, it's going to be tough for to avoid no a haulback that all these teams could give them. Look at the teams that are most interested. I mean, it's the he Yankees, the Padres, and the White Sox. He doesn't want to be there. That's the thing. That's that's the whole thing. It, the question is, does he want to be there? And the answer is, why would he want to be there when he can go to a big market and actually have you know be a big huge product over there? He, to me, I just don't see him staying over there with the Washington Nationals. Now, the Nationals gave him a lot of money. Right. They 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 offered him a lot of money this offseason. They offered him a three hundred and fifty million dollar contract for what was it twelve years. Right. He, there are stories coming out from the, the Nationals organization that he's going to want between four and five hundred million dollars. He might be the highest paid baseball player of all time. Yeah. By the time he's done, and maybe that's a message for them to say because you've purged all these assets the way you have, you yes. might have to pay twenty million dollars extra per year more than the next team, more than say the White Sox or more than say the Yankees that would be interested in him. And maybe that's the message. That are you you reading what Nithin was saying over here? Let's go. Yankees big win. The Yankees, it's what? Game four? It's big win for the Yankees. 
It's not a big win. It was a good win. It's good not a win. big win. Yeah, a good win. Uh, I would say it's a good p- pitching performance. You you shut out a top five offense in baseball of the Blue Jays. I would say that's something. But... Cortez is a good pitcher. The It was a great find for the Yankees. He really has been a great find. Uh, a lefty who can he could pitch very, very well in Yankee Stadium. So, uh, the Yan- if you're a Yankee fan, you, you should be happy that Cortez pitched five innings, uh, scoreless innings, and and their bullpen is still he's they've been dominant. I mean, there is not a better bullpen right now in baseball. If you look at the first five six games, uh, I mean the Yankees bullpen is what zero point eight six or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean the ERA, but their their starting rotation is like six point nine four. Not tonight. I mean it's going to shoot down at least right. a, a run or two, but. Uh, the Yankees' starting pitching has got to figure things out. I think they will. I, I expect the Yankees to get a lot of runs. Uh, I, Nithin wants to come on the show. If you all right, Nithin, uh, we have an interview at ten thirty. So come on, come on, come on at eleven at eleven o'clock. But I think it's very interesting to see the way the league is and the way the league is is falling. We were just talking about the Cubs and and what we think about the Cubs, the Padres. I, it's going to be very open. I'm very surprised about Oakland and, and with all the pieces that Oakland has lost this offseason. Yeah. Um, you would think they they would be just a terrible team, but they're 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 pesky. They're a pesky organization. They're a pesky team, and I think Oakland will still, you know, be in the loop of making you know being in a playoff run. What are they two and two right now? They're two and two. They they lost their first two games, and then they've they've now they've gotten on a nice streak. They uh, they blew out Tampa yesterday. I think it was thirteen to two or something like and that. And I think Houston is one of the more overrated teams in the American League. Now I thought that way last year too, but I, 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 they'll still be they'll still be competitive. They'll we'll be s- competitive. They lost a lot of pieces. They I, lost a great shortstop. Yeah, I mentioned on the weekend crunch when we were doing our little uh, we were doing our little baseball preview. I could see Seattle stealing the division just because if their young players play to their potential, uh, like they like they were in the lockout season where they actually played well individually, but last year they played better as a collective team, but they had stretches where their young players weren't great. If they can make that all together, they can steal the division from Houston. It just Houston, it seems like they always lose somebody and then they find somebody, not to get the overall production, but to make it work. I think Correa is going to be, he he is a piece that is absolutely going to be a trading target for everybody at the trade deadline. If somebody needs a power bat, a shortstop, and a playoff player, Correa is going to be a nice piece for the Twins to really re-up a farm system or an all, you know a bunch of good young offensive talent. You know now, how bad do you think the Twins are going to be to get to that point though? Too because you say all the time that division's really weak. It's very weak, but I, I just I don't trust I I don't trust that the Twins are going to be any good. Okay, I, I really don't. Where is Correa right now? If uh, let's look at the Angels He's- first of all, because I'm trying to see. Um, Oh, I'm not. I'm looking at the lineup. The lineup is where's uh, Mike Trout? Uh, yeah, he did. Mike Trout starting off slow. He's hitting 200 right now. I think he left one of the games too with an injury. Bats. Yeah, I think he left one of the games too with an injury. He's so. healthy. Uh, no, he. Yeah, it's not a bad injury. But. He has 15 at bats. That's a lot of at bats. Otani started slow too. He's, uh, both of them. It's, it's been their young players that have played well for the Angels for the most part. I think it was like Brandon Marsh and Jared Walsh. A lot of those guys have played well, and their their stars haven't been as good. But yeah, Correa's Correa's also started very slow himself though too. 125, just one RBI so far. So we'll see. Uh, Jeff, uh, Carl asks, uh, can the Celtics beat the Bucks in round two? And Jeff says, yes, Robert Williams yes. should be back then. Yes, but uh, I think any team in the Eastern Conference could beat any team. 
That, it, it, the Eastern Conference is as open. Uh, the Western Conference is going to be hard because it's so strong up top. Yeah. Phoenix. Um, Memphis. Memphis. Yeah. And then uh, Golden, Golden State. Golden State's the three. We'll see if you they get I mean? Steph Curry back. But we'll you see. You know, it, it, I, I think they, the the West is so top-heavily good. So uh, and I think, again, everybody's going to probably predict that whoever comes out of the West this year is going to win the whole thing. I think Milwaukee is not going to win this year. I think there's a lot of deficiencies. They don't have the the strength that they had last year off the bench defensively. I think Milwaukee's going to have problems against teams like the Celtics. Um, they'll have problems against Miami. if they Yeah, Miami. I think if they rematch, definitely, which I could see in the Eastern Conference Finals, Miami will win. Uh, so there are teams that could beat them. I, I could even see the 76ers uh, with the depth that they have knock off the Milwaukee Bucks. So the the thing about the Brooklyn Nets that really scare most Brooklyn Nets fans or New York fans or whatever the hell that roots them on. Well, but what, the limited fan base that they have, let's put it that way. Whoever roots them on. Um, the problem with them is they don't have a perimeter defender that can defend the three, the two, and the one, multiple positions. They have one, but he's not playing. And <laughs> – that is that's going to hurt them because when they play the Bucks, if they match up against the Bucks, you're going to have Kevin Durant defending the Greek Freak. Right. And you saw in the Eastern Conference Championship, Kevin Durant got tired defending. If you had Ben Simmons defending the Greek Freak, you can depend on Kevin Durant concentrating offensively. And what does he say? Uh, Carl says uh, the Bulls can't beat any good team in the East. No defense and a year ahead of schedule. Uh, Jeff responds, uh, Carl, that could be tricky. DeMar DeRozan could go off. Mm -hmm. Yes, because he's gone off in the playoffs. Plenty of times in the year past. Yeah, okay. Horrible playoff player. (laughs) And that horrible defender, Marcus Smart, about to win Defensive Player of the Year. Well, I haven't heard anything yet, so. No, they don't have the awards until after the season. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. We're not going to know that yet. I didn't say he was horrible. I just said he's not a great defensive player like you think he is. You say he's the best defensive player in the league. Nobody called him horrible. You're taking words out of our mouth again. I said that he's not a top three, top four defender. And there he goes again. Let's put the crazy lunatic on about his Marcus Smart. (laughs) All right, Jeff, have at it. His muffling phone. What's going on? Yeah, I just wanted to throw a fun fun couple of stats out there for you yeah. since uh, Marcus Smart seems to be a not very good defender. <sighs> He's just just terrible, can't defend at all. Did Nobody you know called him Marcus terrible. Smart the, Marcus Smart is the only player in NBA history to have a season where he had 200-plus deflections, 115-plus steals, 75 loose balls recovered, and over 70 charges drawn. But he can't defend at all. He's nobody, one of the league's best defenders. Nobody he said is, nobody said he can't defend. I said he's not a top did. five defender. I said he's not top five. He top certainly five. is. He certainly speaking. I mean, first of all, no one, no one in NBA. I'm giving you stats. No one in NBA history has ever done that. He's certainly a top five defender. This year he is. Yeah. <laughs> this year he is. That doesn't make him a top defender That's every year. That's what you were talking about. And you're like he is. A yeah, I, I didn't listen. I didn't real with bad taste. Oh, uh, hold on. I did. I didn't realize Georgia just scored again. <laughs> I didn't realize fired a Carl. I didn't realize that he had such a great defensive year. But the way you make him out to be, you make him think that you make him he's seem to be the like, player of the year. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he wins. I I still don't think he's going to win. But uh, that's just my opinion. But whatever. Right, if well, he wins, well, he wins. Gonna, I'm just going to do what you do. Yeah. I'm just going to do okay. what you do. Right. Okay, what if is he it? doesn't win, I'm going to go. Well, he was. He was in reality. He was the real uh, defensive player of the year, right? Isn't that what he did? 
You're such an ass. No, you really? that what happened with Shohei Otani and Black You Blair? are an well, ass. No, Black you know that? Would, why do we I, all know Black Why do I deal with you all the time? I, I listen to your craziness all the time. You're crazy, okay? Mr. Muffle Man. No, and, see, it's funny because uh, it's not crazy. It's just giving you back to you. That's what that is. Oh, yeah? Is that what you're doing? So giving Marcus me back Martin to me? Defensive player of the Isn't year. that amazing, Speedy? I'm just going to go well, he's giving he me back really to me. defensive player of the year. I've never heard that before. I'm giving. He's giving me back. So to apparently, me. you're getting cloned. I guess so. I have maybe a triple clone. I mean, me well, back to that, me. Hold on, Speedy. Isn't that what he did with Vlad Guerrero? Well, Vlad Guerrero should have won. Well, again, he 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 picked Vlad Junior at the start of the season. He's going to stick to his opinion. Absolutely. And you want to know right, something? I'm not the and is, I'm and I'm not the only one that thought that Vladimir Guerrero should have won. We had two. Got, a, we had two. A, we had two baseball experts on this show, and both of them agreed to me that that Vladimir Guerrero is an everyday player. He should absolutely have won the MVP. And 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 so he's also an everyday player. No, he's not. He doesn't bat DH every day? That's not an everyday player. That's not a guy that plays sure on the field is. every day. Sure, no, it doesn't. No, sure, sure, it sure doesn't. Is you don't play on the field. Come on, Jeff. He doesn't he, play he, on the field every day. What, what Martinez? Oh, Edgar stop. Martinez. Stop. Got, you know, he, he does not play on the field every day, Jeff. You can't sit here and tell me that. Uh, I mean, if you're a DH, that's what you do. You Wait. swing at a baseball. That's all you're doing is standing in a damn batting box. Vladimir Guerrero plays Every right, so, day. So David Ortiz stinks. Uh, Edgar, Edgar, uh, the Hoover, Martinez. Edgar Martinez. Yeah. Mm, nobody terrible, said they stunk. Right? Nobody, nobody said Shea. Nobody he was only a DH. Nobody said Shea Otani was terrible. Again, you're taking words out of my mouth. All I said was he wasn't some. I don't believe he should have won the MVP. That's right, all well, I said. So Mark, so Marcus Smart is the real winner. It's already been decided because even if he doesn't get the award, I'm just going to say that he should have got. <laughs> You're such a pain in the ass. You really right, are. That's, no, that's your logic. <laughs> but Guerrero did not win. Did you meet up with the beef? No, thank God. Oh. <laughs> Well, I that, heard you were that's gonna... true. That's true. The, the, the beef would probably rot if he saw if you saw. Him. No, I heard that the beef was. Uh, you know, Jeff offered to buy the beef a, a I, beer. I, I told him he could. Yeah, I told him he could come out for drinks and join us, me and some of my friends. And he said no. He had a he had a commitment to. I think uh, I think he might party. It was he was going. To. I think he was going to be afraid of you guys jumping him. That's what I think <laughs> would happen. You know, uh, we're, we're peaceful people. <laughs> peaceful people. I don't know about you. You want to chop Tyler Harrison's head off? That's, <laughs> that's different. That's that's completely different. You're, you're giving you're giving Jeff the first thing he would do if the purge existed. <laughs> that's, that's completely different. <laughs> uh, Carl asks, uh, is "Speedy, were the Mets targeting the Japanese player the Cubs got no. uh, early in the process, but not that. not drastically? It wasn't a it, it wasn't a big deal." For I heard the Red Sox were really interested. I thought the Red Sox were the team to land him. Um, it was the Red Sox, the Angels, and yeah. the Giants yeah. for a uh, the lot Yankees of did. It, you know the Yankees, Yankees kind of changed in later. The Yankees were the Giants going to end up with them. No, they didn't. Uh, the no, Cubs. they didn't. The Cubs did. But Cubs. I'm saying for oh, the majority of the process, it was those three teams. The Yankees kind of swooped in later. He's fantastic, by the way. I watched him play the other day. He's fantastic. He's a fantastic player. I mean, we'll, I mean, listen. Let's not go sucking this guy's dick just yet. We no. don't know if he's fantastic. Let's let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Outside of Otani, anyone that's kind of come over from there. Really hasn't been all that good, right? We had Hideki Arabu, and we were like, "Oh, Arabu, he was good for two seasons, then he fell off a cliff." Oh, the Red Sox had Dice K. Matsuzawa. Oh, great. What about Suzuki? Suzuki was. 
Suzuki was good. Okay, so there's another one. But like you, Darvish, not really. No, Darvish uh, was good. Darvish up and down. Still, up and down with a lot of injuries. Tanaka was good. Tanaka was a good pitcher for the Yankees. He great was all right. Yeah, he was great playoff right. pitcher. Not, not for a long time, right? Like you had uh, either Matsui, you can say Kaz Matsui or Hideki Matsui, and they were suitable. None of these dudes live up. Dude, listen, let me tell you. Red Sox fan. Here, hi, Red Sox fan. Dude, Dice K was built up to be like. Yes. This the, kid, the second coming of Jesus. This kid, this kid that everybody's talking about, this Japanese player, uh, the twenty-year-old that is going to be available next year, this pitcher who pitched the perfect game. This is they're saying that this is the best pitcher to come out of Japan in like out of like the last twenty years. Wow. They also said that about Hideki Arabu. They also said no, that but did dude, dude, this they guy say it about all of them. Th- I would this, say Dice K probably got the second most hype Jeff, that I can remember outside Jeff, of Otani. Jeff, this guy pitches four pitches and three of the pit, two of the pitches he could throw ninety <laughs> or above on him. Great, great. Di- sounds like Dice K. Oh, Dice K had the dreaded gyro ball. Do you remember the, yeah, I don't the yes. gyro ball? Was that bad. wasn't a gyro. That was a stupid ball. That was a slurve. I, we've seen that ball before the ephus pitch just needed a new name <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying dude like why can't we just wait until these guys get here and they, that's great they did good over there and that's good for them and that's fantastic and i'm not taking that away it's a different league see time and time again it's a different league it's a different caliber it's a different level let's let them come here first before we all just start blowing them up to be something. Carl says that they own Nomo part two. <laughs> well, oh, and I'm glad I'm glad Carl's in the chat. Ask him how uh, Michigan did against Denver. They got to hang up another one of those national semifinals. <laughs> Jeff, are you just going to research a sport that Michigan lost <laughs> every day just to annoy him? I don't need to research. Just name a sport they lost. <laughs> just name a sport they lost. <laughs> <laughs> they have a badminton team they probably lost oh man yeah. <laughs> lost at OT lost at OT yes yes Jeff Carl to put it in perspective on Thursday's show Jeff deliberately Jeff. just called with the last 15 minutes of the show and just had to start with well, that I was, well I was out at dinner and I didn't have time I was out at dinner and came home it was a little toasty and flipped on my old TV to Denver pot of gold. <laughs> well, Jeff, we're going to have Nithin on at 11 o'clock. I definitely want you to call back because I think it'll be really funny. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Is he still in EJ Perry's basement? <laughs> I want you to call back. But we have our special guest that's going to be joining us in just one second. So call back, my friend. Terrific. Ask him about EJ Perry. I will. <laughs> He's a baseball guy, so maybe we will. I don't um, know. Maybe EJ Perry can pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Um, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to former MLB outfield and Dodgers professional scout Greg Galson here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this. It's the Sports Lab Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy, Petey. Remember, you can call us at 631. Speedy, give us the number. 631-672-3108. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSR Rain, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, we had this guy on. A couple of months ago, almost a year ago, actually, it flies by. When you do this every single week, it just flies by, flies by, flies by. But why not bring him on again? Very talented, very smart guy, 
baseball knowledge. We are now talking to former MLB outfield Dodgers professional scout Greg Galson. What's going on, Greg? Chill, man. How you guys doing? Well, I don't know about chilling. I mean, as a Yankee fan, well, it's actually beautiful out today. It's 70 degrees. I mean, how could you beat it? But uh, as as quick as it's 70 degrees, it'll probably pour down to 50 or 48. So I like the cold. I don't like this weather. I just don't like the switcheroo that it happens. But how are you over there traveling as a scout? What is it like going to one place to another with different weather patterns and all that other stuff? Well, you know, it's crazy. I was in, uh, so I live in Denver and then I did uh, about a month of spring training coverage in Arizona last month. And between the frozen tundra and the desert, my nasal passage has been so dry. So I scheduled my first trip to be West Palm Beach to get a little humidity in there and I'm already feeling better. So I'm, I'm loving it. What a lucky guy. He's done <laughs> scouting for spring training. So now he gets to go to West Palm Beach and hang out yeah. at the beach with his yeah. beautiful girlfriend, right? Your beautiful girlfriend. Yeah. Well, my wife's not coming. She's Wife, got a, sorry. she's got a small business that she's uh, doing. She does bridal stuff, so this is busy season for her. So Good try to her. squeeze in the weekend or, or so, but probably won't be able to during the season. So she's in the entertainment field too, huh? <laughs> well, you could call it entertainment. Yeah, you know the bridal industry where yes. you know summer's like the when everyone's planning for their wedding. So this mm. is like crunch busy time. time. Oh yeah, I know. I'm I'm a DJ. And I do that on the side, and I, I'm I'm around all the bridal parties, sweet sixteens, yeah. communion confirmations, you name it, I am. But anyways, let's get down to sports because that's why we have you on. Tell us a little bit about uh, the off season for the Dodgers. Obviously, adding Friedman uh, that was a big acquisition. What did you think of all the different acquisitions that they made, including the trade for Kimbrel? I think we made a lot of good moves. You know, I, you know, obviously losing Seegers, you can't really replace him. You can try to kind of pivot and do other things, but you know, losing Kinley, losing uh, Seeger, I think we're, I wouldn't say we're, you know, in a better position, but we're in a just a strong position to, uh, you know, make a run at this year with, especially with Freeman. You know, I, I think uh, our lineup having like what is it four former MVPs. Yes, you know it's it's kind of crazy thinking that you can fit all that into one lineup and it still be balanced. So that's a uh, that's interesting to to. I'm curious to see how how the, you know how the lineup does with a pitching staff that's pretty good. Like who's going to carry who? But it's it's exciting. It'll be an exciting year. So the uh, the Dodgers also loaded with young players too. Two of the top. 20 prospects in baseball last year. So what were some of your impressions on some of the young players they had last year? Gavin Lux, Dustin May, most notably, but even some of the other ones that came up. That's something that a lot of people, um, when they see the the high payroll of the Dodgers, they just assume that we go out and buy all the talent, but we're actually developing guys and, you know, signing guys that, you know, we've got to develop and maybe teasing a little bit of talent of that weren't getting realized in other areas. So, you know, when you look at our, you know, our younger guys like Lux coming up, guys that we traded away for big name guys like, uh, you know, Josiah Gray. You can definitely see that there, we've got something going on good at, at the lower levels, um, but also just being able to break in, like finding ways to get Lux at bats. That was that was really cool last year. And it's like I personally wouldn't have put him in center field having never played there. But, you know, like we got to get that bat in the lineup and like, He's probably going to be one of our more – I wouldn't say probably, but he's looking like he's going to be one of our more consistent hitters this year, having had that experience last year. We are talking to former MLB outfielder and Dodgers professional scout Greg Golson. So being a professional scout, obviously you get the opportunity to see a lot of great young players that are going to be coming up from all different organizations. And the Dodgers have been 
the leading team over the last couple of years with with the prospects, as you said, Lux and Mays. So there, there's talent all around the league. What players that you have seen in the minor leagues that really has stood out to you over the last year, year and a half? Coming from being a, a player to a scout, I had to kind of break myself of not disregarding, but kind of putting guys down. You know, like as a player, you've got this like macho, like, you know, he's not as good as me type of thing, you know. <laughs> so I had a tendency to downplay guys' speed, downplay their arm, downplay a guy's fastball, downplay a breaking ball, because you're not going to hit a breaking ball if you're like, man, this is the best breaking ball I've ever seen. I had to break myself of that. But, um, you know, looking at the Brewers, they've got some they got some really good outfielders coming up. And um, Sal Frelick, he was, Boston, he was drafted out of Boston College last year. Um, they've got a younger high school guy, Joe Gray Jr., that he's pretty good. Like, there's just a lot of good outfielders, I think, that are coming up through the Brewers. And then the Cardinals, they just always do a good job of developing talent. You know, they've got got solid infielders all the way around pitching that, you know, left-handed and right-handed. It's it's just kind of uh, interesting to see how different orgs develop their guys and, and what they what they prioritize. And you can definitely see it after seeing after seeing them for two to three years. So last year's American League MVP was Shohei Otani, a two-way player. And there's been a lot of them that have come up in other minor league systems. We've seen Brett Honeywell, Hunter Green now this year with the Reds. Uh, is that something that you think will be a modern trend? And are there any guys that you could see in the Dodgers organization being that kind of two-way player? I don't know. I mean, it's um, it takes a special player to be able to do that, just balancing it. I mean, there's a reason why it doesn't happen very often. Otani is, what, 6'5"? Like, he's a giant human. So it's easier for him to produce more force. Um, but you, you know, if you're looking at a guy that's a normal size, normal height, it's going to be hard for him to have that durability to pitch and hit. Cause either one is, is, a you know, tormenting on the body over the course of a full season, you know, but um, I haven't seen anybody um, with the Dodgers that can do that. Um, Lucas Erceg with the Brewers, he got drafted as a hitter, but he pitched in college and, um, Last year, they transitioned him into a pitcher, still wanting him to hit a little bit. And he touched 100 this year in spring training with a sinker and a, like a 92-mile-an-hour slider. So, I don't know. I, it's going to be hard for them to let him hit when he's still when he's doing that on the mound. So, I think that's the challenge you're going to have when someone is outpacing one side or the other. Like, they've kind of got to be superstars on both sides of the plate in order for them to be able to do it, you know? We are talking to former MLB outfielder and Dodgers professional scout, Greg Golson. We talk about the Yankees a lot over here because we're here in New York and we, we obviously the Mets. The Yankees have a great young prospect, top 10 prospect right now, Volpe, who everybody is talking about. And, and this kid could very much be in a top three uh, prospect by the end of this season. What are your thoughts with this kid? And what do you think? What thoughts of some of the young players the Yankees have in their farm system? I don't cover the Yankees, so I don't of know course. very much about them. I know that the Yankees they have a very particular way of developing guys and they kind of have them on a schedule going up. So, you know, as far as um, how, how their, their, their system is developing, I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I haven't watched the Yankees in a couple of years. So why don't we get you a job with the Yankee? How's that sound? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> can't comment on that right now. Being under the Dodgers, but. <laughs> no, <I'm messing> <laughs> well, you know, they always say that, you know, you go from scout and then eventually assistant GM and then a GM. That's why you're a scout. You're learning the game. You're seeing the game in your eyes as a player and as an ex-athlete. And then you slowly but surely move up the rankings. So just remember us when you become 
a general <laughs> manager because we know the game just as much as anybody does with the wars and the analytics. We know the game just as well as anybody. But uh, oh, no. we love you as we as we always talk about that. We're very happy mm -hmm. to have you on. Appreciate it. Hey, I'll definitely remember you guys if that if that opportunity ever presents itself. <laughs> so this offseason, obviously chaotic with the lockout and the the battle with the players and the owners. Do you have any connections within the MLB players organization? If so, what were some of the main things that they were pushing for and what they ultimately ended up getting? During the offseason, um, I was kind of swamped with writing uh, reports that I didn't get to because of one of the COVID kind of changed Everyone was up and down. You know, if there was an injury at this level, they'd move a guy up. So I missed a, I missed quite a few guys um, as far as getting to see them in person. So just kind of getting in all the work that I'd missed. But as far as the lockout, like there was no, I don't really know if there was much like negotiation back and forth until spring training started. So like um, a lot of the info that you guys were hearing was the exact same stuff I was hearing um, as far as how they were doing and what people were wanting. Obviously, when you hear stuff through the grapevine, it's like a little bit extremist or a little bit uh, exaggerated, but uh, it just kind of seemed like um, there was a lot of people that didn't realize it was a lockout. Like they thought it was a strike. And I think that kind of changed how it was perceived by the public. You know, like a lot of people thought it was spoiled players, you know, wanting this or that or whatever the reason they, they, they were just kind of misguided because of how, you know, it was, I guess, perceived by the public that it was another another strike as opposed to a lockout. We saw what happened the COVID year. A lot of these players took less contracts. George Springer took $120 million for a center fielder, one of the best center fielders in the league. Uh, he got less money than Marte did from the New York Mets. You look at DJ LeMayu, one of the best hitters in baseball. He took an $80 million contract from the Yankees, six years, $80 million. And now you look at this offseason, you have Seager getting a $300 million contract. Simeon got a, almost a $200 million contract. And then Aaron Judge, just recently, the Yankees, before the season started, offered him a seven-year, $213 million contract, which he turned down, which I was very surprised about. Are you surprised that players are getting this much money? And are you surprised that Aaron Judge turned down a seven-year contract with all the injuries he's had in the past with his size and all that other stuff? Are you surprised that he turned down a contract like that? I wouldn't say I'm surprised because, you know, if you look at the history, it's not like salaries are going to go down. Like the guys that you mentioned about Simeon, like he bet on himself in Toronto and, and it paid off. So I think a lot of guys are seeing like, how good the the travel is and all the uh, like the maintenance uh, medical stuff that you can do. A lot of times people would sign early and take the deal on the table just because it, it, it takes away the risk. But I think guys are realizing that there isn't as much risk and you can just kind of be patient. You know, I think someone someone will pay him what he wants. You know, if you look at it, if he holds out long enough. But I don't know, like that's a big market. And I think a lot of guys are starting to see uh, how much money they can make, make if they just wait a little bit, which I don't know if it's good or bad for the game, but it's definitely good for their pocketbooks. Speaking of money, we're seeing a lot of these teams pay players earlier within their mm -hmm. development. The Blue Jays, the White Sox paying Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert even before they even played on the field. Uh, the Braves and then most recently the Rays with Wander And Fox, the Yankees. Though. Yeah. Sabarino. So, so. Is that a trend that you think will continue all across baseball, especially now with these new contract stipulations within the new CBA? Absolutely. I think I think that's going to definitely be something because, I mean, I, I think before teams were were keeping guys keeping guys down because they didn't want to start their clock. 
Whereas now they can save on the back end by offering them a what is perceived or what is seen as by the front office as a bargain deal, signing them before the market gets set by some other other player. You don't have to worry about arbitration. You don't have to worry about hurting anybody's feelings. You just kind of build around that player because even back then, back in the day when there wasn't contracts being signed, I feel like there was a set timeline of when they were going to get there and how many at bats they were going to get. So they're just kind of, I think the team is taking that risk of, you know, you've got to obviously know the makeup of the player and hope that he doesn't just shut it down after he signs a big, big time contract. But at the same time, you don't you don't allow them to make their value go up by going off that first year. You know, like it's I can see both sides of it. Like if I hadn't didn't have one day of Major League Baseball service time and they offered me a deal that basically got me to pension 10 years. I take that deal and it's, I think it works for both, but I think, um, you know, agents and the union probably don't want that just because it's lowering the, the market. We are talking to former MLB outfielder and Dodgers professional scout, Greg Galson. Now, Greg, we look at this season and there are tremendous amount of teams, not only in the national league, but also in the American league that a lot of people could obviously pick to win the world series, win the whole thing. The American mm-hmm. league East, you have, Four potential winners. You have the Rays, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays in just one division. Then if you move down the American League, you have Seattle, which added some players, Anaheim being a healthy team, and then all the other teams that we talk. And then the National League, you have the Mets, the Braves, the Dodgers, San Diego. I mean, we could go up and down St. Louis, all these different teams. Are you surprised that the, the league and, and the way the transition of the league has become more for many different teams? I mean, instead of just like five or six top teams in the league. I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I mean, um, I think there's like a, a kind of a cycle of talent that goes around, especially once you look at the Royals when they won it with uh, with their pitching staff. You know, like everyone kind of copies that and it, it becomes like the trend in baseball. And then everyone kind of has a a formula for success until someone comes around and says, this is how we beat that, you know? And I don't think for a while people aren't going to be able to beat uh, the pitching that's coming up now, you know, like it's yeah. guys are throwing like averaging 98 mile an hour fastballs. Like I still, to this day, don't know how Blake Trinan gets hit. I think as teams focus on pitching and the hitters kind of bottleneck and stay at the big league level, especially with DH and the rules that they're adding and stuff to get more offense, I think they're trying to make there be more parity. Though I think the bigger markets and the, the the teams that have, you know, the the staff that can tease out different formulas to win, that's the ones that are going to end up being good. Because you look at the Rays, they're competitive every year with one of the lower with one of the lower salary caps. I feel like they cutting edge of how to win every year, and other teams are just copying what they're doing, and it's making everyone a little bit more competitive. You say that and it's very it's a very good question because the Rays have a way to get into the playoffs, but they never mm-hmm. win. They never mm-hmm. win. They mm-hmm. they always get over the hump. They get into the playoffs just like we've seen the, the Oakland Athletics. They've been doing it for years. Moneyball, play the moneyball game. You'll get into the playoffs, but they never get over the hump. They're never the Red Sox, the Yankees, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Dodgers or or any of those top teams that we've seen win year in and year out. Why is that? Just like Moneyball in the book Moneyball, like uh, Billy Bean said, the, you can you can win in the in the regular season, but the playoffs is a crapshoot. There's a lot of variables that I think that go into winning in the playoffs. You can't really factor in, and I think a lot of the a lot of the Rays struggles just has to do with like not being experienced. It's crazy the two World Series that I've 
that I that I've been in. I have two two rings. We're both against the Rays. It was the Phillies and the Dodgers. And if you look at the teams that the Phillies and the Dodgers, both of them had veteran players that had been in that situation before, whereas the Rays, it was kind of like a new thing to them in both situations. I don't think there were any repeat players from that first race to that second race team. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of just not having the experience of being there. Like when I played, I thought they would always say, oh, you don't have the experience. And I'd be like, well, the only way I can get it is if you let me play. I get what they meant by that. There's just something, there's a, there's a poise and a confidence that comes with experience that you can't really, can't really quantify. Yeah, I think Longoria was the last one of the remaining 08 team, and he just got traded in 2019, the year before they went to the World Series. So, yeah, that was the last one. So you mentioned the Phillies, you know, the 08 World Series team. Uh, there was a lot of talent on that team, a lot of great personalities. So do you have a favorite memory of that particular season for the Phillies World Series team? And one teammate that really stood out as being a great personality guy. They kind of go hand in hand, those questions. Uh, so Ryan Howard, he always, whenever he got a chance, he uh, took me under his wing, and it was that. it seemed like that whole year, if I would go down into like, you know, how the dugout is here and then you can go behind the dugout. There's like a cage and like a video room. Well, there was a video room. I don't know if there is anymore. But there was a video room and like, you know, you could go back there and just kind of prepare or kind of get in from the weather. And I started noticing that whenever I would go in, go behind the dugout or go inside and Howard would be hitting, he would hit a home run. Like it was and he hit a lot that year. So guess where I was a ton. But it was it was interesting. Just like I told him about it, I was like, I haven't. I did it probably eight times, and he probably had six home runs. And I was like, I told him after the sixth time, I was like, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be superstitious. But I told him he was like, well, you better get back there every single at bat. So obviously, it kind of diminished as I kept going back there. But you know, that was one of the memories where it was like, I don't know, I felt like I had something to do with his MVP year. We are talking to former MLB outfielder and Dodgers professional scout, Greg Golson. I know you have uh, a lot to do, so I don't want to keep you here too long. Last question for me, three, four games into the season, where do you see the Dodgers this year? Do you think they're a major league World Series championship team this year, even with the talent that they have, uh, with the roster that they have, or do you think uh, they could come up short this year like they did last year? Like no one expected the Giants to be as good as they were last year with the line with the roster that they had, you know, and there's going to be inevitably there's going to be a team that does the same this year. Like you said, on paper, our lineup is ridiculous uh, on paper. Our, our roster is is very strong. So I think if we stay healthy, yeah, I absolutely see us being in the World Series. I don't want to invoke the baseball gods by saying, you know, that we're going to win or anything, but that's obviously the goal. You know, that's what I'm working for. And I know that's what everybody else on the team's working for. I see, I see it definitely being something that we're looking forward to though. So which team in the National League do you think will be the Dodgers' biggest competition and in the American League if they meet in the World Series? It's not going to be the Mets. I'm asking him. I'm not trying to garner a response of the Mets. For the National League, I'd say, I mean, in division, I think the Giants are always tough just because it's it's the rivalry. Out of division, I'd say the the Brewers are the Braves. And then in the um, in the American League, I think the I think the Blue Jays and the and the Yankees are always like the Blue Jays are solid and they're young, but I think the Yankees are. are I think the AL East is just going to beat up on each other again, but they'll be battle tested for the for the playoffs. I do believe this season will, as it gets warmer, the the rotation will get better. 
but uh, that's what worries me this year. It's the rotation. It's not really the lineup. I think Donaldson was a great pickup for them. I, I don't mm. think Yankee fans realize that Donaldson has never been in a lineup this good. You could put him as the leadoff third batter. You could put him at cleanup. He can hit. And, and, and to me, he's been an MVP before. He understands the way of hitting. And with all the power in this lineup, if they can stay in this lineup, it's just it's a shame. Non-shifting doesn't start until next year. I think it'll benefit Rizzo, uh, Gallo, and both players. Uh, Rizzo might be there next year. Gallo is not going to be there. So uh, the yeah. Yankees are not going to benefit off of Gallo and no shifting next year. So we really appreciate you joining us, man. I know you're very, very busy. Uh, we definitely want to get you back on again. And stay clear from the sharks out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going in the water anyway. <laughs> good luck and uh, good luck for the season. And we'll probably talk to you before the season's over. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, we were just talking to MLB outfielder, ex-MLB outfielder, Dodgers professional scout, Greg Galson. And ladies and gentlemen, you heard it right here. If he ever becomes a GM on a team, you know who he's going to come to. He'll, he'll come to us. We can help him. We'll help him build for the future. <laughs> uh, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, more into some football conversation here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is Sports Lab Mouth. You can call us at 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.sportsonthego1.com or worldwidesportsradio.com. You can also go to our website. I mean, you could go to our app, going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I haven't said sportsonthego1.com. In a long time, but actually, if you go to www.sportsonthego1.com, you can find our website as well. So, uh, both ways you could find our website. So, definitely check it out. L- listen, a lot of people don't go on websites anymore. Download the damn app. The app is much easier to be in contact with us and 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 see all the stuff that we're doing all over social media. So, that's the way to go. And by the way, Kenny Smith is an idiot. Man, he's such a He's so annoying. He walks like a bow-legged idiot. You know what I mean? There's no North Carolina anti-bias there, but no. okay. I, I don't know. I, I've even forgot he was from North Carolina. He played for North Carolina. So there you go. I mean, he's just bow-legged. Look how he walks. How does he play basket? How did he play basketball? You watched him, so judge that accordingly. I did on Houston when he when the Houston Rockets were good. Yep. Uh, with Hakeem the Dream, baby. Anyways, um, I want to get into some football and. Uh, you know, it's so interesting. First of all, before we, we get into the story uh, with the commanders, um, a tragic thing happened over the weekend. And Dwayne Haskins Jr. passed away. 24-year-old draftee who was drafted just a few years ago in the Daniel Jones draft. Uh, a guy that a lot of Giant fans wanted. Uh, he's from the Jersey area. Um he was crossing a street in Florida uh, on the I-95. I don't know why he was doing that. Um, and he was struck by a car and died instantly by getting hit by the car. Um, you know, it's it's so sad when you when you see these things happen to young men, people that you don't know. But 
to see Dwayne Haskins, you know, at the age of 24, you know, pass away like that, not only is it a tragedy, it's just absolutely sad. And for, for, for not only just himself and his family, but all the people that, you know, love him, all the football players and that have played with him in Ohio State. You saw Joe Burrows, uh, you know, said some kind things about him. Not only when he tore his ACL, he was playing Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he right. was the backup quarterback uh, when he when he hurt and he teared his ACL. But he was there in Ohio State when Dwayne Haskins took his job. So um, it's just it's just sad. It really is. And a kid that had his whole life, his whole future, his whole career. I still think he had a career. A lot of people thought that even though Trubisky. I, you know, was going to win, you know, he had that job going into OTAs. Some people thought Dwayne Haskins was going to win that job from him. So it's just, it's a sad story all the way through. And and to see a young man, a young kid die at such a young age, it's just, it's absolutely sad. Yeah, definitely. His thoughts and prayers to his whole family, his teammates, his friends, all, all his ex-Ohio State teammates, ex-Washington teammates that really are, are mourning this very, very difficult time. It was just unfortunate. Anyone that young that dies, it's, it's sad. It's just so, so sad. Struck by a dump truck. I guess like, he was having car problems, so he had to walk. And just you just don't know what could happen. Life is very precious. And once again, you're seeing a case where – a guy who was taken way, way too soon and just so sad. And so my thoughts go out to anyone close to the Haskins, uh, the Haskins family and to Dwayne. Now, Adam Scheffner, um, you know, before, and he apologized after doing this. Right. A lot of players attacked him for when he, when he was the one that broke the news because he was the one that break, broke the news that he right. was struck by a car and he passed away at 24. He said the former Washington, you know, Washington commander, Washington football team player that was drafted and was a bust practically. He, right. Uh, when he said that, Lamar Jackson, uh, all the Ohio State Buckeye players that are in the NFL took shots at uh, Adam Scheffner, really, really made him look bad. And recently, Adam Scheffner came out and apologized. Um, he apologized to everybody right. on what he said and 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 the understanding of the way he said it to upset so many players that saw right. how he posted it. Yeah, there's no need for that much detail. As a guy, you're an insider. Just report on it. There's yeah. no need to say that he struggled to catch on in the NFL. Just ridiculous. That was a that. was a terrible thing terrible. to say. And what's he, what Gil Brandt said was even worse. Like he was like he, he was like blaming Dwayne Haskins for like putting himself in harm's way. Like are, yeah, okay, that's not the comment that needs to be made at this time. Come on. There is nothing that ki- first of all the kid can't protect himself. He's gone. Right. One, two, uh, he was 24 years old. He was a baby, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't even have much of a career to even you know, even know what he could have been, you know? And he really didn't even develop his skills. Who knows what Dwayne Haskins right. could have been in the NFL? You know, a lot of people took shots at him that he was a bust and all this other stuff. He never even really got a chance to prove himself, especially over there with freaking Gruden there who screwed everything up when he was drafted. Right. 
So he really never got settled in. He really never settled down. And, and what did Jeff say? What Schefter, what Schefter said was accurate. If you don't want an obituary to tell the truth, don't suck. Yeah, it doesn't, still doesn't sound good. It's not about football that he, that he got struck by a dump truck. There's nothing to do with that. You could say, all right, former Washington, Washington commanders and Steelers quarterback. It's not hard to – you don't need to analyze that. It's just something to report on. And it's to say that he was a bust in the post? I mean, first of all, it doesn't matter if he was a bust. He was a professional football player. Right. He made it to the NFL. Okay? He was a first-round draft pick. To say that he was a bust uh, after, he, you know, after dying and when his family and friends are trying to mourn his death, I don't care what you say, Jeff. That's wrong. Yeah. Who, it doesn't matter what level of player you were. You could be a great player that passed away young. You could be a, a bust. You could be a bust. I'm not going to use the term to judge it. He wasn't a bust. He never even got I don't a even, chance to prove I don't even himself. care what he was. Like, he's a football player that got struck by a dump truck at 24 years old. You could throw football out of the equation. We know who he is because he was an NFL player. He was struck by a dump truck at 24 years old. That's Just mourn the death report on it. You don't need to go analyzing his career. It's just, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing. Anybody that sits here and doesn't think that that's horrible, it, when you heard that, it's just sad. It's a sad. I feel bad for his mother. Yeah. I feel bad for his family because just imagine this guy was in the NFL. He was drafted, what, two and a half, three years ago mm-hmm. into the NFL, the best time of his life, the best day of his life. And three years later, he's gone. He's buried in the ground. I mean, I lost my 22-year-old cousin. He, he helped mm-hmm. me bury my nephew, okay? He was there, and my nephew was buried. You know, he was the only one of my cousins that showed up to my, my nephew's burial, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. Died less than six months, five, four months after my, my nephew died. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's just a horrible thing. It really is. And hey, listen, Adam Scheffner, he apologized. I I. I I think a lot of people should take his apologies. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I mean, to attack Adam Scheffner, Scheffner the way he did and called him names and stuff like that. Listen, Adam Scheffner, Scheffner was wrong, but it sounded like Lamar had some vendetta against Adam Scheffner. You know? It's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's something that doesn't need to be there. Like, he's a 2019 first-round pick quarterback of the Commanders and the Steelers is all you needed to say. Jeff! He played three seasons. He barely played the three seasons because he had Gruden coaching him. Not John Gruden. The other idiot Gruden. Yeah. Okay? And the kid never got a chance to really prove himself. So to say that he was a bust, he's 24 years old. He's still a lot of career left. He had a lot of time left. He could have went to another team. Some quarterback would have gotten hurt, and he could, he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL and become a star. You don't know what he could have turned out to be. He's 24 years old. He had his whole life ahead of him, and even if it wasn't in the NFL, it could have been in something else. Too. CFL. Maybe it was the CFL. Maybe it was another sport. Maybe, maybe it's the XFL when it comes out again. Maybe, it's, maybe, he, would, maybe he would have been a good coach. You don't know that. I mean, things, ha- things can happen where you can succeed in other parts of life just because you're having just because you're having initial issues you're not justin herbert or joe burrow as a starting quarterback yeah i mean just because you're not that doesn't mean you couldn't be successful in something else all right jeff is back all right let's put nathan in let's bring jeff in what's going on jeff look you can't blame him being a bust on on jay gruden because he wasn't just coached by jay gruden he was also coached by uh Oh, okay. Ron, no, Ron Rivera. And he was also coached by Mike Tomlin. Ron Rivera, first of all, Ron Rivera did not like 
Dwayne Haskins. It was yeah, because, it was a yeah, fact. because apparently Ron Rivera wants him to work and show up to meetings, and that's why he got cut because he wouldn't show up to meetings. So yeah, you're a bust, Jeff. It doesn't matter what he was when he was. Why are you in the talking NFL? about busted? Why is why is he talking about? It's we're 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 talking about a loss of life here. Why are you talking about? Uh, why are you talking about? There's no need to talk about bust, Jeff. Well, you do not bring that up on, on this uh, on this tough subject because we're talking about a loss of life where a, a, a parents uh, lost a 24 year old son, and uh, and he has fa- a lot of family and friends who's mourning a loss. So why you bring up? It doesn't matter who's he's a, like. Uh, Speedy said it doesn't matter if it's a bust. I mean, bust or not, it's a, it's a loss of life. It's a loss of life. The Giants lost a, a young safety in Tyler Sash at 27 yeah. years old, yeah. I think in 2013 or something like that. Like, was he a world class safety? No, I'm not. But I'm not going to judge it on that. He was. He was what he was. He was. A, he was a giant. He was a, a player on the team, and th- nobody should go the way he went at, at 27 years old. And it's the same thing with that's Askin a catastrophe too. for right. somebody like that because uh-huh. he had his exactly. whole life in front of him, and we don't know what he could have been. We we don't. At, at that point, he was a bust, but that doesn't mean he would have been a bust. Okay, so can I, just, can I just point out one other thing? Mm-hmm. And I, listen, I get all the points. It is tragic that that he's gone. It is the, the whole thing is a tragedy. I get it, right? But we're all crapping on Schefter. Why? Because he stayed. Oh in no, fact. no, I'm not saying. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen, listen. Nobody's crapping on Adam Schefter. I'm not crapping it's on Schefter. It's Schefter, whatever, it, it, <laughs> whatever his name is. Okay, because you want to, you want me to be corrected every time. There's a T in there. Okay, and he's a Long Island native, and he lives here, so that's great. But to me, he should have never said it. That, and he, and he right, knows he right. was wrong. He probably, right? He probably should have left it out. But he also wasn't wrong. <laughs> You're right. He was never wrong. He just he just shouldn't have said it. That's <laughs> that's and it. Not for, and not for nothing, right? Like, here's the other thing that's going on too that people are shaming people over. Oh, oh, how terrible to ask questions about what happened. The guy is gone. Yeah, what was he doing? Walking on a by the way, a very busy highway. A, like this would literally be like you walking through 90 down 95 through new york mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. what's he doing on the highway at at five in the morning nobody knows nobody his car got stuck he had car problems he was trying to get to the other side so he can make a phone call and he the car the, the dump truck didn't see him and struck him get to the other side to make a phone call Don't, doesn't everybody have cell phones can you make a phone call from the car and be safe i don't know I don't know the whole story, but I, I want to come. I want to go off the subject because I know it's just going to cause even more argument. Uh, uh, Congress tells FTC that commanders may have broken financial laws. I'm going to read this article pretty quick, uh, so everybody knows the story. We already know what the story was. I told you last week yes, what it was. Yes, the U.S. House of Oversight of Reform Committee is indeed exploring the potential financial. Uh, financial situation within the Washington Commanders organization. The committee now wants a federal agency to get involved. According to the Washington Post, the committee sent a 20-page letter to Federal Trade Commission regarding allegations that the team may have withheld as much as $5 million in refundable deposits from season ticket holders and that the team may have hidden cash that was, that was to, to be shared by all NFL franchise. Jason Friedman told the committee the team kept two sets of books 
and that one of the set financial information underreported ticket revenue to the league. The process of interventionally uh, allocation, uh, allocating revenue to the wrong event was known, according to Friedman, as juice, with the team allegedly spreading revenue that should have been shared with the league to non-NFL events and FedEx field. So there you go. Um, it, it just seems like it keeps tumbling down with the Washington Commanders. And I, I, I just – it keeps getting worse and worse. No, it keeps getting better. You know, it gets better because it's something to laugh about because Schneider will be out as an owner, and so will yeah, his wife. That's why it's, that's why it's going to be better. They're going to force him out. Who, who knew – uh, upskirting photos, basically, of cheerleaders and and prostitution and sexual harassment allegations weren't enough. No, the one thing that NFL owners hate is keeping their money. Mm. That's what this is. Oh, dear. we're all greedy money grubbers. So you didn't share your money. So five million dollars to a billionaire. It's way what? more. No, it's way more. Uh, but, it's way more. Well, it says five million over here. I'm sure it's way more, but even let's. It's way more because it's how much? Only, how much? How much do you think it is, it, dude? Uh, tens of millions. Mm-hmm. Because here's here's what happens: is every team in the league has ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Every team in the league has ticket sales. Mm-hmm. The team gets to keep sixty percent of that. Okay, mm-hmm. so like if you're, uh, let's just say. Uh, you're the Patriots. You've been a successful team. And I'm just using them because they've mm-hmm. been successful. Yep. Let's not argue yep. about that. Yep. Okay? Mm-hmm. The Patriots sell out every week. The Cowboys, they sell out every week. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. So you get to keep 60% of your ticket sales. You put 40% into a pool. Mm-hmm. Okay, Now you're a team like the Cleveland Browns. Can we all just agree they're dog shit? Yes. Okay. Cleveland Browns for years never sold out anything, never whatever. So to keep the league afloat in – in dire times for some teams, Detroit. So that 40% goes into a pool. Every team keeps 60 and kicks 40 into the pool. And once every team puts 40 into the pool, then they take that pool and they divide it up 32 ways and then it gets distributed back. So whatever they're putting in, they're going to get a portion back. But like the more successful teams are clearly going to be losing because they sell out every day and, you know, they need to help support the teams that, you know, that could have money troubles, right? The For years, the Bengals, the, the Lions, the teams that just have pe- empty stadiums everywhere. Seattle right? in the 90s, they nearly went bankrupt. <laughs> the question is, how long has he been right, doing so then, How long well, has he been doing Since he's owned the team. Hmm. So that's tens of millions, yes. So, it, right. so and that has because, to be paid back. You gotta, right. Because you've got to think, what's an, what's an average NFL football ticket? Call it a hundred dollars. It's probably higher, but call it a hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this article says it was. They found one hundred sixty-two thousand dollars just of ticket sales this year. So since he's owned the team, which is twenty-something years, that's gonna yeah, that, that'll definitely add up. Right, but what I'm saying is, so what's a hundred bucks times? What's their stadium? Is it 80, 80,000. 80, 80, right. Mm-hmm. So what does that come out to be? Eight hundred thousand. Eight hundred thousand a game. No, it's way more. No, it's eighty thousand or eight million. Eight million. Eight million. There you go. Let so that's see. eight million a game just in ticket sales. Yeah. So they they get to keep, let's just say five. I don't know what the exact number is, but four is fifty percent, and the team gets to keep sixty. Yeah, so eight let's million. Just keep, yeah. Right. So let's just say they get to keep five. They got to put three in the pool. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Well, they're saying, well, our ticket sales were down, and then they skim like a million bucks off of it, uh-huh. and that's per like per game. Even if they're skimming a half a million bucks off of it. That's per game. That's, you know, 
because they get eight home games. Well, they so have now, they have to still play uh, Albert <clears throat> Hainsworth, so <laughs> right. <laughs> They're but still paying talking, that contract. You're talking probably. You're uh, talking this dude probably skimmed a million, two million dollars per season from the pool mm. for as long as he's on the team. Right. So, and and by the way, in not reporting that revenue, because here's the other problem with it. Whatever you report to the team is what what they're going to report to the government because, mm. yeah, they're all private businesses, but they all share that information. Right. And so they all yeah. file taxes together. So whatever he was doing by lying to the league, he was also not paying taxes on that revenue to the government. Mm. Yep. And that's why he can go to jail for that. Because oh, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, yes, that's, that, that's, steal, that's stealing from the government, which is taxes. Well, it's, it's tax evasion, yeah. money laundering. Fraud. Um, those are the big three off the top of my head. Mm. I, that's like life in prison, isn't it? Yeah, life. In no, prison. not life in prison. It's not going to be life, but with, Dan Snyder's old. It's going to be the majority of his with, life. No, with with his money and with his lawyers, he's a billionaire. He'll probably he'll probably do a year's time, if anything. He's not going to do and, a and, the, and the greatest thing about this is here's here's the greatest thing is you know he sold part of the team to his wife. Right. If this is true. This is the business that's doing that, right? You can say it's Dan Snyder, but it's really the business because it takes more than one person to do yeah, this. Yeah, they're going to have to so sell the team. Say, yeah. Right, so they're going to say it's the business, and they're going to force her out too rather than just saying forcing him to sell her the shares. Mm. They're going to they're kick both of them out. Sure. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that, and I think uh, just like the Broncos. By the way, the, the team, the, the guy that's in the lead of getting the Broncos now is the guy, the CEO, the CFO that owns Walmart. So, and by the way, this is exactly what I told you was going to happen mm. last Thursday when we talked. I said, "Did you see this? Mm. This dude's going to be forced to sell the team," and they're only now saying it today. Mm. So, no, I'm just telling you, uh, the, the 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 guy that's in the lead of getting the Broncos as of right now is the guy that owns. Yeah, it's only because Bezos don't want it. Yeah, Rob Walton. Is yes, his name. and I can and I can guarantee you, if the Washington Football Team Commanders come up for sale. Bezos will sure buy that one. I think he will. Because he, he tried to before. He tried to buy it. He offered money to Dan Snyder to buy it. Mm. And Snyder turned it down. No wonder why. He's been skimming cash. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very, it's very what? interesting. Go ahead, Joe, go ahead, Nathan. What were you going to say? Yeah, speaking, no, speaking of this whole crazy situation with the Washington, obviously, which is a mess, um, actually, we had the opportunity of speaking to one of the one of the women who spoke out of uh, spoke about it mm-hmm. with, when she was part of the team. Uh, her name was Emily Applegate on the show two years ago. And uh, she spoke about it a lot. And she came, she, she told us what happened in that front office and about, about what uh, Dan Snyder did to them. And it's just crazy just to he- hear about that. And, um, and it, it was great. Uh, and for her to just to come on the show and mm-hmm. talk about that, it's, it, most people would not do that. She spoke about it in depth. And told us everything about it, and it's just crazy. And now, now, and we're in what year twenty twenty two now, and we're still talking about this stuff. It's just, it's just oh, because there's a, there's so much more yeah. in depth, Nathan. There's so much more that she probably didn't say that hasn't even come yeah. out yet. Right. And there's going to be more people, I would imagine, that are going to come out with other stuff. Listen, too. John Gruden. Okay, he lost his job, lost his career because he got involved saying some racist things. Uh, yes, but he said racist things. But notice. Schneider was sitting happy, sitting good because he thought he was going to get away with it. That they put all the 
they really put a lot of the blame on John Gruden because he was the under he was undermined by by you know everything else that was going on you know behind the scenes. But now I believe that if they take Schneider to court, not only with this but with everything that's gone on, everything's going to come out. You're going to you're going to hear a lot more stuff that probably nobody or everybody hasn't heard yet that he was doing behind closed doors. And yeah, but the they f- don't need to take him to court. Yeah, I, I understand. They don't, they- they don't need to take him to court. They don't want him there. They can just vote him out. No, I'm talking about as far as him going to jail. Okay, so he's probably going to see time. He's a multi-billionaire, and he probably doesn't have any, like, felonies. So uh, with your lawyers, and lawyers, I've seen lawyers. You, you can be, you could be set, you know, processed for, like, nine to ten felonies. I've seen somebody do that. And then wind up getting cut down to... Like, you know, one felony and three misdemeanors and uh, everything else was cut off. And he had and he had to see like a year's time. He's a multi-billionaire. You know what I mean? Don't matter. He broke the cardinal sin. You can kill people. You can steal from people. You can do whatever you want. There's one cardinal sin in life. Don't keep the government's money because they'll get you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're gonna get him, and and unfortunately, everything. Christ, Dante Stallworth ran a dude over and got twenty six days in jail. Yep, mm-hmm. Dan yep. Snyder's gonna get time. Oh, he'll you get time. Do fraud and tax evasion uh, and whatever. Uh, Jeff, he'll do time. He won't do more than a year. You watch. He won't do more. Yeah, than that's a year. fine. Yeah. yeah, no, I believe that. Mm-hmm. He might not even. He might just cop a plea and whatever. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll, you know, he's got. He's he's a billionaire. So it, when you have <clears> that kind of money. You you can yeah, get, get out, out of a lot things. of you can get a lot out of a lot of things because <laughs> these guys and I'm not going to say this on but you could do a lot of things when it comes to the judicial judicial system and and get away with things I've seen would, it would would you guys would all would uh, Jeff Speedy and uh, Arrow would mm-hmm. you guys buy the Washington team right now if I had the money yeah absolutely yeah Nathan you're asking a question that's pretty <laughs> steep for that <laughs> uh, yes uh, who wouldn't buy the Washington first of all. The fan First of base. All, Washington's going to go for like five billion dollars. Yes, it, it's going to. It's big yeah. money. People don't realize Washington is actually one of the top four, five most lucrative yes. NFL franchises. Yes, yeah. and and they have a huge fan base. It's in a. It, 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 it's not in the best of areas, but it's not in a bad area. Uh, the stadium. All of DC is a bad area. Yeah, You're wrong. Uh, all oh, of DC is terrible. Oh, the, the stadium is absolutely beautiful. I've been there before. It's a beautiful. Yeah, I know. Stadium. It's being held together with zip ties. No, it's beautiful, man. Have you ever been to Washington? Yeah, oh, dude. I went to opening week. Oh, I didn't know um, you were there. I went to opening week for the for uh, the Nationals' new ballpark. This is no. I'm talking about. Have you ever been to the Redskins? Have you ever been to Washington? <laughs> yeah, I've been there too. It's a dump. I liked it. I did, thought it was you, beautiful. Did, and it's being held together with zip ties, and I'm not even kidding. A lot of stadiums are like that. Jeff, which which no, no, stadium no. did you go to with the Nationals, though? Was it was it the, the first one or the second the one? one? Okay. No, the, the one, one they're in okay. now. Okay. The one they're in now. Because I was there in 2016, wild... too. So. It's not no, talking about the Nationals. It's talking about Washington. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was football trying to figure out. Right, yeah. but, right, but that, that stadium's literally falling apart. It's being held together with zip ties. You, and the pictures don't lie. How did they fix the railing when the, it, the all those people almost fell on Jalen Hurts? Oh yeah, zip ties. Mm-hmm. It's literally falling apart. You might think it looks good, but there's cockroaches in there. Cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know who else should invest in Washington football team? Uh, Kevin Durant. He's a fan of that. 
He don't, he don't have the money. He don't have yeah. $5 billion. I mean, you're talking, Nathan, you're talking about the richest of richest people. I mean, yeah. you're, you're talking about the richest people in the world that are only going to be able to buy this. How many billionaires are in the world? Like, like 200? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's only 200 people that can make a bid for yeah, that. But you don't, you don't need all that much money, though. You just need some a bank to back you because what you're forgetting is whatever the salary cap is, is what the owners get. So if the salary – because the players get 50%. Do so you think player, a bank would – if I went to a bank right now and asked them for $5 billion, you think – No, you need to have – no, you need to have some st- substantial money, but you don't necessarily need to be a billionaire. Right. It's it's interesting. Maybe, I don't maybe as a part owner, Nathan, because we've seen the we've seen oh, part, some, yeah yeah that's what I mean. Seen, yeah, I, if I had let's do that. If I had a if I had listen, fun. Nathan wants to own a team for three hundred bucks. He can go buy a share of the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> if he bought a share of the Packers, you would encourage him to draft Jeff. I Parrish. actually <laughs> Jeff, I actually have a share of the Packers. I got it as a gift, like years and years. Uh, and ago. what do you what do you use it for? Toilet Nothing. Paper? It's it's a, it's on a plaque. It's in my you know my clothing room. Well, no, I was talking about no. I was talking about and Kevin I'll, t- and I'll tell you this too. Dan Snyder might have a ton of money. He might have billions. But there's certainly one thing that money can't buy. What's that? That's an NBA Defensive Player of the Year award. <laughs> oh. Dan no, Snyder's no. worth a $4 billion. He's 31st yeah. among all sports owners. Yeah, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant could be a part owner. For yeah, Washington. Ever, there's like, plenty of people. Like, like, what what Listen, A-Rod. here's the thing with Dan Snyder. He's a trust fund kid, right? He, he didn't make any of that money. His family made that money, mm-hmm. and he inherited it all. And you know what he's done with it since? Nothing. He bought a football team, and that's it. Yeah, so that all he's done since then is uh, stash some money for himself and overpaid a bunch of defensive players. <laughs> yeah, he's a right, terrible and oh, by, and oh, by the way, whatever he stole, they're not only going to get him for te- the back taxes. They're also going to hit him with penalties, too. Oh, sure. so whatever he stole – He's probably going to end up paying ten times what he stole. Yeah, but it, that that's going to be nothing for him. It's going to be nothing. Right, but here's the thing. I'm, all I'm saying. No, is I got you. I understand. You went and did this for ten million dollars. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. This is what you did this for. Is this I would say bucks. if he's done Wait, it. How long has he been 50. the owner of this team? How long is he? Nineteen ninety nine was. So time. let's let's average eight million a year. Okay. So eight million. Times what? How many years? Yeah, but so no, but not, but that's not three. That's not part of it. It's either a million or two a year. It's not eight. No, it's five million. Eight. It's five million. That's what we saw. So five million. It's average is out to three hundred seventy-four thousand, three hundred forty-seven thousand eight hundred twenty-six dollars. That's, that's also not how that works because he he gets to keep five million of the eight that he gets because he gets eight home games. He gets to keep five anyways as his sixty percent. No, he stole look he, tax evasion five million. That's what it said. So it was five million dollars. So. <clears throat> So it's five million dollars. So let's estimate five million times uh, times how long has he been the owner? Twenty three years. So twenty three years. So so how much is that? that is what's half a twenty? What's half a twenty three? Two hundred seventeen thousand three hundred ninety one. So he stole two hundred and seventeen million dollars. Okay. So he's going to have to probably no, not even close to that. What you you not think it's less? He yeah, way less, far less. Okay, well, far less. You said every year. So it's five, only, I, I just did $5 million divided by the 23 years. It's 217391 Withheld as much as $5 million in refundable deposits for ticket holders. So that right, would, that's, over, that's over a couple of years. That's over a few years. That's not every year because his stadium only holds whatever you said, 80000 or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And he still has to give some of it away to the other teams. All right, so and, but, but he gets to keep sixty percent of it. So this is like what I said. Let's just say he's making 
a million bucks a home game. So that's eight million bucks a year. Mm -hmm. And it's probably a little more, right? right? But the math will still be close. He gets to keep five of the eight. Three goes into a pool. But he had been holding back a little bit. All right, so let's estimate 50 million, okay? He still stole 50 million. Way less? What's way way less? less? You said... You said tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, it's like it's like a million or two a year. A million or two a year. So two million times 15, Speedy. 30. 30, 30 million. That's still a lot of money. That's $30 million, Jeff. Right. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. It is still a lot of money, but it's not 219. That's crazy. Whatever. So, So it's $30 million. Okay, so after after if he has to pay him back double, that's sixty million that's going to have to come out of. But again, that's pocket money for that man. He, he it's nothing. I, I mean, he, he's worth four billion dollars. So, oh, and getting richer too, because what did he buy the team for? A billion? Yep. Right. Well, find find the purchase price on the team. Well, he has four bill. He has four billion as of right now. So no, I guess- no, 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 no. He's no four billion. He doesn't have four billion because that's all on paper or whatever. That's you know not what I'm gross. Like, he has four billion gross with all his assets. <clears throat> well, not like well. That's also not true either because his football team's probably worth five. No, I, I we understand that when he sells it, he's going to become richer. <laughs> Was eight hundred million when he initially purchased it, May twenty sixth, nineteen ninety nine. Right, so he's gonna right. So that yeah, he's gonna end up making four billion dollars, which is crazy. It's crazy. It's a great investment. And he, I mean, think about think about double you know, his I don't money. Get, right. Well, I mean. You want to talk about doubling your money or whatever? That's that's he is. He's doubling change. his worth. If he's no, if he's no. worth four billion, he's getting another right. four billion. It's eight billion dollars. He's worth right. But think think about like the Donald Sterling's of the world. And I'm not you know bringing that up to bring that up. But yeah. Donald Sterling, what did he pay for the Clippers? Almost nothing. He got, he cashed out for like two billion. He gave the, he practically gave the Clippers away. I I thought oh. I thought. Who, what's that guy? Who Steve Palmer is the one who Paul, bought it. Palmer fucking won on that deal. Give the Clippers away, yeah. dude. That was the highest purchase price of any team in the NBA ever. Wow. Yeah, ninety-one point four billion. I, I have the rankings of the richest owners for Paul. Well, here, here, here's the thing. The, if the I'll Knicks, give you, I'll give you another one. You want to talk about cashing out? What are the Patriots worth? Four billion in that neighborhood. You can go to the list, the Forbes list, and they estimated or whatever. But just the, say four billion. Robert Kraft bought that team for hundred and seventy-three million. The Knicks are – you want to hear this? $8.3 billion for the Patriots. Listen to this. The Knicks are worth – the Knicks right now, if the Knicks were sold by James Dolan, they're worth $6.5 billion. The Knicks. Okay? Imagine, imagine if they were actually were, uh, like owned by someone who could uh, improve the worth. That's, that's the lowest worth that team could possibly be The Knicks worth. are the most expensive team in all of professional basketball. The most expensive team. Which is crazy too, because yes. where they finish this year, they stink. They they stink, but where they are, Madison Square Garden, it, they're they're the most. Yeah. They're they're worth well, more so than any team the, in professional question. sports. Right, but here's the question. I mean, right? basketball. Because I mean, professional basketball. Here, here's the question I would I would just throw out there, right? Because I know that he owns both, and it's kind of a weird kind of question. But you know, when you when when the Cowboys sell, or when the the Commanders sell, whoever buys them is also getting FedEx Field. Right, so that's part of the worth or whatever. If Dolan were to sell the Knicks, who owns the Garden? Because I know I and clearly I, I I know that he also owns the Rangers and whatever. But who owns the Garden? 
Yeah, he still owns the Madison Square Garden company also, as far as I'm concerned, along with, I think, four other the, the four teams there, the WNBA, the Liberty, and the Knicks, the Rangers, and something else. I think so. And then he also owns the Madison Square Garden Company, which is the what funds for the concerts and the events that they do there, too. So I think even if he just sold off the Knicks, he would still own a majority stake. Yeah, that's a weird setup, dude, because... I mean, it does him, if he sells the building or the rights to the building with the Knicks, that obviously devalues whatever the Rangers sure. would be worth. Well, yeah, comparatively, like if it was just, if it was just the Knicks versus one of the other teams, yeah, because the Knicks are going to be The Knicks the just profitable. by himself, just the Knicks are worth almost, almost $6 billion. Right. Just the Knicks. He owns the Rangers and the Knicks. Mm-hmm. So just think about how much he's going to get for the Rangers. The Rangers Don't are probably forget, three billion. Don't forget his most valuable asset. The recording rights to all his shitty music. <laughs> <laughs> does he own? Does he own Penn Station? I'm not sure if he owns the rights to the Penn Station too. I'm pretty sure he does own the rights to Penn Station. That's why it's built under the Madison Square Garden. I'm not going to be surprised if he does own the assets of Penn Station. So, uh, or get some kind of profit out of it. But, uh, but Jim, this is why I'm always confused about what a team is worth, though, mm-hmm. because. If you buy the Bengals, that stadium stinks. You're going to have to come out of your pocket for another billion to build a stadium. How much? How much is the Bengals worth? How much are the Bengals worth? It doesn't say if he owns it, but they said it would be eight billion dollars, and they would lose money if they they relocate. He gets some kind of percentage from it, guaranteed, because it's in Madison Square. It's under Madison Square Garden. He makes a percentage of it. But uh, how much is the Bengals worth? Check how much they are. I, I I would say the Bengals are worth probably around four billion too. So that's uh, that's Mike Brown. Let's see if he's on this list. Mike Brown? What are you talking about? The 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 owner. No, I'm not, I'm not the owner. How much is the Bengals worth as an organization? Bengals worth. I'm I'm just trying to get this. Two point seven five billion. Two point seven five billion. So three billion. So the Bengals are worth. Could you? How much are the Cowboys worth? They they got to be about seven or eight billion. Yeah, Jerry Jones alone is more than that. Their franchise is probably worth more than any franchise. Six point five billion yeah. for the Cowboys, dude. Honestly, for three billion dollars, I could I could buy all of Cincinnati. Bathe in the citywide town of a uh, skyline chili, like CJ Ozama was going to. <laughs> that, dude, I, if I had if I had Bezos money, Elon Musk money, that'd be the first thing I did. Beyond buying Beeb's Deli so I could be a father, <laughs> my, my next order of business would be buy Cincinnati and cancel Skyline Chili. It's garbage. <laughs> you could have the Beeb's, Beeb's Deli uh, be, the, be, be the chili sponsor. <laughs> That's what I would do. I would make, I would make the Beeb move to Cincinnati and serve Skyline Chili. <laughs> <laughs> He'd do it if you paid him. He'd do it. He'd do it. Two hundred fifty thousand yeah. a year. He'd take it. He'd fly with it. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, imagine a human that actually looks like Oscar the Grouch living in a trash can, serving that garbage. <laughs> so you're saying that Beeve looks like Oscar the Grouch? Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. He's a full. Bo- he's a full blown Muppet. <laughs> <clears throat> That's pretty. That poor kid blows my mind. Blows my mind that the Bengals are worth whatever two point seven or two point almost three billion dollars. Yeah, dude, I could buy the entire city of Cincinnati for three billion dollars. It's crazy how much these teams are worth, man. It is. It's amazing. Just think about that. 
Look at the value of all these sports teams. It's worth the best investment to make now if you're a millionaire, a multi multi millionaire, is to buy a professional team. Go buy a professional soccer team right now because it's going to probably be worth, you know, 10 years from now, it's going to be worth quadruple the amount. I think most of the richest owners are are of of soccer teams, too. Like in the world. In the world. Soccer is the most ruthless. Soccer is the easiest one to lose money in. Yes. But to me, that's what I would do. I, I would if right now soccer teams or even CFL teams right now, uh, Canadian football teams. I'd buy Canadian are the football Jets teams. for sale. No, the Jets. Oh, you mentioned the Canadian. How much are the Jets said. worth? I think the Jets are worth about five. Million, oh yeah, well, the Johnson family is huge. Yeah, the, the Jets are probably now worth about five billion. Uh, four point oh five billion. Yeah. <laughs> They're almost worth five billion dollars. I, I mean, seriously, still two billion less than the Patriots. Yeah. Good for them. They, they don't have the titles. That's the Jets right. taking another L. <laughs> How much are the Patriots worth, Speedy? Go look at that. He said 6.8. Did uh, you just say 6.8? No. No, I said Robert Kraft was worth 8.3. Oh, oh. Uh, the Patriots are 5 billion. So there Ooh. you go. Yeah. See, there you go. We're a billion more. You're just such an idiot. Just everything, every anything that could it's, be a, just a little. You went from two billion to a billion, and see, yeah, see billion more. It's, it's see, Speedy. It's like the scoreboard at the end of every Jets Patriots game. So Patriots stupid. a billion, the Jets nothing. You're a stupid ass. You know that you are a pain in my ass. And the Cowboys, like the, Cowboy, the Cowboys are worth six billion for uh, for three playoff wins in the 21st century. Smart. Yeah, but when you, <laughs> but, but when you when you get uh, the Cowboys, you end up buying the Cowboys. You end up buying the ghost of Jerry Jones' dementia. <laughs> <laughs> See this, Stephen. This is this is Jeff. This is the power of Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, I'm gonna, Jeff, I'm gonna buy the Dallas Cowboys next. Oh my Jeff, god, Jeff. Here's what you should you should do. You should have the Beavs Deli for 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 Dallas, and then make him fill the Salvation Army. No, thing. you put the Deli <laughs> in Dallas Stadium. That's what you yeah, do. and you make and you make Beef scoop off on all the Deli for the salvation. That's a big Salvation Army you. container. I'll tell you what. I'll make a real deal right now with mm. Nippon. A real deal. Jeff, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna buy deal. the Dallas, I'm gonna buy the I, Dallas Cowboys. I will 100% pay for 100% of all the catering. I will order from the Beebs Deli so he has to put the party platters together. If if you throw EJ Perry's draft party. <laughs> I want EJ Perry there and his family. I want to see the whole thing. They're holding a tub of coleslaw and a sandwich. <laughs> a sandwich. <laughs> now, here's the real question, Jeff. A tub of coleslaw. If EJ Perry doesn't get drafted, who will be more disappointed, him or Nathan? <laughs> and, but, see, but that's the great thing about it. The most disappointing part of that whole scene will be the deli. <laughs> the tub of coleslaw. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh my god. And you know what's so you, funny? You you get you get in touch with DJ Perry. I will put a thousand bucks into get out of beans, here. De- beans, deli. I'm already I'm, I'm already in touch with, I'm already in touch with his cousin Lisa. So. All right, so you know what you do? You set it up and he'll he'll send the food. He'll send the food. Yeah. Yeah, go upstairs and talk to EJ now. Aren't you in his basement? <laughs> go upstairs and ask EJ. I'm going to text Lisa. I can text Lisa. Yeah. Nathan's headed to the uh, the the Brown University Library to go study with him. I can text way, Lisa. That'd be a good no. trip for Nathan. Providence can, is a beautiful town. Spent a lot of time know, there, can, but he um, would love Providence. I can tell you. Don't and they have a great Lisa. college basketball team. Yes, By the way. A college basketball team that probably gave Kansas the toughest game outside of the yes, championship game. They did. 
Hey, Jeff, John. Right. Said, Providence hey. national champions. That's how that works, right? Then they text, uh, then they text Lisa. <laughs> he says Providence national champions. He's a piece of work. He really is. They don't need the trophy to be champions. Oh, you are one piece of work. I'll text Lisa about the draft party. Good, and he'll he'll make sure that you get a tub of coleslaw. Um, Providence, great pizza town. Go to Al Forno's and order the bar pie. Terrific pizza town. <laughs> bar pie. <laughs> He's it's you know, great. You're a funny dude, man. So you're really gonna buy? You're really gonna send him a like, uh, you know, a thousand dollars? I will of- pay. I will. I will buy all the food for him and EJ Perry's draft party. I want to see oh Nippin there, God. like giving him bunny ears when the Nippin. Nippin. ESPN. Nathan, you have a big back uh, basement. You can have the grab party there. <laughs> and you know what? You got to invite the beef. He's got to serve you the food. Oh, we're going we'll to invite some. Uh, we're going to invite some strippers too. <laughs> <laughs> strippers. The beef has to focus on his work, though. <laughs> the beef wearing an apron and uh, you know a bra. Okay, that'll be your stripper. Yeah. No. The beef is the coleslaw, which no, like, all bay is the steaks. He can like just drizzle the mayo into the coleslaw and stuff. It'll be a whole show. No. <laughs> You're gonna have to pay him for that. He's not gonna do it for free, Jeff. Oh my god! <laughs> You're gonna have to pay him for that. You give him five hundred dollars yeah, well, for the day, he'd do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. Oh, he'd do it just to be next to the next great NFL quarterback, EJ Perry. Uh, EJ Perry, <laughs> especially if he gets drafted for the Cowboys. He's my guy. He's my guy. Move over, Cooper Rush. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a real thing. Cooper Rush stinks. Oh, EJ we Perry know. We know. Yeah. EJ Perry, <laughs> give me a break, uh, for, Nathan. For, since the day you mentioned EJ Perry, he's been attacking EJ Perry since the day you said it. I uh, haven't attacked him at all. Yeah, you what have I said negative about him? Are you kidding me? Are I you said kidding anything me? negative about him? Really? Are you? No, serious? I was just no. I, I was just asking to, about. I, oh, that's all. I was just asked a question. That's it. That's all. Speedy, what has he said about oh. EJ Perry? Honestly, nothing. Yeah. Bull. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, every I time. Listen, here's well, because, what I said. Well, I the reason, yeah, Arrow, 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 I don't think he's an quarterback. That's not shitting on a dude. That's an honest evaluation. Nathan, he said that EJ Perry, oh, no, oh, he's oh, not oh, even oh, getting drafted. Reason, okay? No, Arrow, when you guys had that draft expert on, I think it was like – He what, may not. Month? Yeah, so we had Shane Hallam on. He yeah. mentioned that he wasn't no, going to get well, drafted, but his partner liked him as like a fifth-round well, pick. No, yeah, no, right, the reason why I asked – No, the reason why I asked those guys. He could get drafted. But there's also a chance he might not oh, get drafted. That's not crazy that to say. Okay, what, what are you going to say? It's also not Nathan? crazy to say to think that I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. I don't think EJ Perry is going to the league the reason, and really beating anybody out. What did you say, Nathan? Yeah, the reason why the reason I asked that question to, to let people to act, the reason why I asked that question because I, I was already in contact with his, with his cousin Lisa. So I was trying to get no, no, his- no, no. You were in contact with his his cousin Lisa because you're trying to get with his cousin Lisa. Yeah, but- that's what it was. <laughs> well, yeah, but then also I was trying to get them more exposure. That's um, why. I'm sure that's the only reason why you were doing it. <laughs> by, by, by the way, there's a lot of guys like that, and there's been quality guys that have gone undrafted and still been good. But I'm not sure EJ Perry is a is a is a draft pick. I'm not sure that he is. A lot of people say that he, they think that he is. He very much could be. He very much could be. Is he better than also... Chris? Is he better than Chris Mills? No. Who's Chris Mills? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm 
thinking of somebody else. Mills on uh, well, uh, the Texans. Hey, uh, Davis Mills. Oh, Davis, Davis Mills? Mills. Davis Mills. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I don't think that he is. I listen. I was in out of uh, out of all the quarterbacks last year, besides Mac Jones, and you know, obviously the young young quarterbacks they're, they're going to start to develop. Obviously, Chris Mills was the. I mean, Davis Mills. <laughs> Davis Mills was the most impressive. Uh, one out of all of them. He really was. I, I was very impressed with him. With the weapons that he didn't have, he played well. I think he had over 3,000 yards. Right. He, he did play well. But here's the other thing. He played at a reputable school like Stanford. Stanford, yes. And still came in, and still came in as a question mark. People were saying, oh, man, you know, he's got the tools. He's got the arm. He's got the size. But right. we're not sure that he's, you know, uh, NFL ready. He's got to be developed. And he came in right. and had a very good season. He did. In, very impressive. In, in all fairness, in all fairness, and I'm yeah. not taking shots at him. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, there's only been like one Ivy League quarterback to play in the NFL, really. Like, like Matt Fitzpatrick from Harvard, and then Brian who? Fitzpatrick and yeah. Andrew Luck. Oh, oh, sorry, I said Matt. Fitz- I'm thinking golf again. Andrew Luck. Thanks, too. Sorry. <laughs> Andrew Luck. No, that's not an Ivy League school. That's a reputable school in Stanford. Okay. The Ivy League is Harvard, Yale, Columbia, Cornell, Brown, uh-huh. uh, Princeton, Dartmouth. Uh, yeah. Dartmouth, Cornell, yeah. right? Stanford is not in the Ivy League. They are in the Pac-12, a big conference school. So 2000... saying Andrew Luck is disingenuous. Two, 2,664 <laughs> yards, 16 touchdowns, 10 <sighs> interceptions. That's a pretty good year for him. It really is. By the, by the way, uh, Chris Bills was a basketball player who did spend one year with the Knicks in the that's, 90s. That's, that's why I popped in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Mills. Right. Well, well, we're all doing that. I just mentioned a golfer. Play, uh, and by the way, a tiny golfer playing quarterback. That's not even close. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, uh, this is what of, I'm saying. Uh, There's been one Ivy League quarterback to play in the NFL. One. Yeah. So looking at EJ Perry and going, oh, well, he's an NFL. Yeah, Maybe. Probably not, though. I even could only really think of the only player like I, I could even think of that's even like decent in the NFL that came from an Ivy League school is the linebacker Ola Kuhn, who played for Yale, who's on the Falcons. Like I can't even right. even other positions I can't even think of. Right, because like and and listen, all due respect to Ivy League athletes, they're all athletes and they're all terrific in their own way, and that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you end up at a school like that because you don't have a lot of talent. If you had a lot of talent. There's a, listen. There's even bad schools. You could go to Kansas. How terrible are the Kansas Jayhawks? <laughs> Still good enough to beat Texas though this year. <laughs> Speedy, you want to play quarterback? Play yeah, pretty Kansas. much. Pretty much. Right. Kansas had and the longest FCS losing streak of any. Like I think any team right. of any sport too. Like even other sports too. Mm. Of right. any Power Five and conference. Even, and there's so there's plenty of schools out there in big conferences that need. And you still ended up at Brown. That's not that's not confidence inspiring. You're such a dick. You really are. You get a, but no, Jeff, let's you, also reflect on the fact that uh, Kansas still found a way to beat Texas. That just you see all Steve Sarkeesian as a coach. Listen, wow. that, that's great, but it's also, and I realize you don't like it, but it's also a very honest assessment of what the Ivy League is. <laughs> how many? How many? Listen, Yale got into the the, the NCAA tournament this year. How many players they put in the NBA? I'll they only have hint. one. They only have one. Their best player, o- Okono or something <clears throat> like that, O-O-O-O-O. that was on their 2019 team. That uh, right. and, He's on right. Utah. And he's, right, and he's probably not going to make the team. No, he's a bench player on Utah. He's on the team, oh, but he's, he's yeah. a bench player. Right, and that's one in how many years? And by the way, there's 10 Ivy League schools or whatever it is or 11 or whatever it is. Yeah. And they got one guy and they got one guy. And he's the only one I can think one. of offhand just because we interviewed their coach two years ago. 
Jamie right, Jones. but that's what I'm. But that's what I'm saying is that you don't go to Brown to be a football player. Oh, you go to Brown because you're going to be a tennis or a lawyer. How about, how about how about Jeremy Lin, Harvard, Harvard, right? Well, that's basketball. We're talking about basketball. We're yeah. talking about football, not basketball. Because there, there are a lot of basketball. There's a lot of basketball players that played in the NBA Ivy League. A lot of them. It's not just Jeremy Lin. Hmm. We, I, if you go through the list, there, I would say, you know, in the last ten years, you probably have oh, about yeah. five or six of them. You know, the closest, the closest Brown University has to having a star athlete in any sport is Jordan Spieth's brother played for the basketball team. <laughs> That's the closest they have to a successful. Um, pro athlete. That's it. He's a good golfer. Yeah, there's a, there's a total of 46 players in history that have been um, that have been in, Ivy League players that have been in the NBA. Yeah, there's been a, quite a few. <clears throat> yeah, the guy I was thinking of is my only. He plays for Utah right, right now. Right, the last Brown football player I can think of, James Devlin, I think, played in the NFL with the Patriots, and the Patriots also drafted a kid, Chaz. Um, God damn, Chaz something. I'm forgetting the dude's name now. Oh. And I think, and I think, uh, didn't the Giants have a dude from Brown too? Didn't Chris Snee go to Brown? Chris Snee? Uh, I don't think so. S N E E. Yeah, I know who Chris Snee is. Um, yeah. No, Boston College. Oh, see, yeah, I mean, Snee was married to Tom Coughlin. Yes, his daughter, uh, right? his daughter. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. I met Chris Snee. He's a nice guy. He really is. Big guy. Too. See, I got to see. Even then, I got it screwed up. And even then, Chris Snee didn't even go to Shitty Brown. He went to Boston College, reputable school. <laughs> yeah, you're right, uh, Jeff. The player you're thinking of, yes, he did go to Brown. Chaz Gessner, or yeah, Gessner. Chaz Gessner. See, yeah, Chaz Gessner, and I think James Devlin went there. Hmm. Maybe not. Let me see. But Chaz Gessner was a really good wide receiver for Brown, and everyone was like, "Oh, we really like him. He's fast. He's got hands. He stunk." <laughs> yeah, he went to Brown. James Devlin did. See, look at you. Look at you, Jeff. You were right about that one, too. Right. Brown University. Right about what one? James Devlin. uh, Yeah, James Devlin did. Nathan just confirmed it. Yeah. See? I I know. Dude, do you know how many games I've gone? I've gone to Listen, I I lived in Providence. Love Providence. Great town. Love the school. I've been to 100 football games there. It's a really fun atmosphere to go see a pretty good competitive football game because for the most part, high school football isn't all that great or anything like that. Dude, great time to go watch Brown football games, and I respect them all. But it's okay if they're not all NFL players. Well, EJ, EJ is going to be. So there you go. Maybe, maybe because you know what happens too. Because I and I can only name this dude, and I'm even forgetting his name now. What's the kid from LSU? Uh, the the quarterback from LSU, the lefty kid, Etling, Danny Etling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Danny Etling. LSU drafted by the Patriots. Yeah, they drafted him. He played two games in preseason, then they cut him, and no one's heard from him since. And there are a lot of players like that. You you get drafted. Remember, only fifty six players make the team, so it's it's right. This is why I'm yeah. saying, like, maybe he's draftable, maybe he's not. That's crazy. I don't. I don't just, think that's crapping on a dude. Just, I don't think that's shitting on a dude. Do you think that's shitting on a dude? No, I just think there's two over two hundred players that are drafted every year, and probably. I would say seventy yeah, of them. Like, seventy of them yeah. make the team. No, more than that. You think so? Yeah, easily more than that because you got to think. First and second rounders are all making the team. There's sixty-four right. right there. All right, sixty-four. All right. So all right. you're probably looking at like one hundred and fifty will make the team. One hundred and fifty. Okay. 
All right, 150. 150 players, uh, you know, make the team. Look, so. seventh rounders you can cut. Sixth rounders you can cut. The first three, four rounds, you're keeping, those, you're keeping those dudes. If you're you, keeping them. Like when I was talking to Tamba Ali today, and I was having a good conversation with him, and he played, what, 14, 15 <coughs> years in the NFL, something like that? There's just not a lot of spots there. It, it, the fact that he played all that time in the NFL at the top of the game, that's – that's amazing, you know, to, yeah. to to actually have the years to play that. That makes you one of the one of the best players in the world at your position, mm. you know, in which he was. By the way, I figured out what you were thinking of. It wasn't Chris Snee. It was Kevin Booth who went to Cornell. Yeah, there's, which I, mean, I interviewed. Been, yes, you did. I remember that. Yes. Yeah, there's been a couple here or there. None of them are really any good. And to be honest with you, Devlin might have yeah, had the best know. and longest career. Devlin was a tremendous. Yeah, right now the, I'm, I'm looking at some of the list of of different ones. Uh, Kyle Uschek's the most notable one, probably. Um, J.C. Yeah. Treader, oh, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick too. Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick Cameron Brait, uh, J.C. Treader, and then Ola Kuhn, like I mentioned on the Falcons. Twelve years. He played twelve years on the Kansas City. Oh, the whole his whole career on the Kansas City Chiefs. Tom Bali, and it, just imagine playing twelve years. And Tom Brady played. Twenty some odd years in the NFL. That's just that's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, we, um, <clears throat> but he's a defensive <clears throat> lineman. I mean, oh, you want to know? Here's something funny for for Nithin though. Mm-hmm. I did get sent film uh, from a a scouting friend of mine too today on Christian Wilkins. Oh. Hilarious, since Nithin was the one that brought him up last week. He didn't look too bad. He didn't look too bad. Actually, here's probably the best one uh, who went to Harvard. Actually, too, Matt Burke. Hey, yeah, Arrow, speaking of Tom Bali, we had him on our show, too. I know, I know. You guys had him on today? No, no I, I had him I, on a month ago. We had a month ago, but I'm actually, me and Tom uh, uh, became really good friends, and I'm helping, you know, I'm going to help manage, uh, you know, what well, he's doing in his, indi- you know, as a hip-hop artist. You yeah, know, so, Afro yeah. fusion. Yeah, so, um, you know, me and him have been talking, and one of, one of the nicest, sincere people you'll ever meet. Yeah. And um, he's... So, uh, uh, he is a great, obviously great player. Now he makes awesome music. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's not going to be a Hall of Famer by May- if he had one more good year, he was a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think he tore his Achilles late yeah. in his career. Which if he had him. one more good year, he would have been a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. really, I would say like five years in a row, he was the one of the top five pass rushers in the league from 2010 yeah. to 2013. You know, it was like. In that spurt, like four or five years, he was one of the top five pass rushers in the league. You know? <clears throat> so, I mean, he was a fantastic player. And everybody ca- – he told me. Everybody counted him out. Nobody thought that he was going to be anywhere close to the player no. that he is. Right, yeah. You're actually looking at 89-and-a-half career sacks. You're looking at one more double-digit sack season. You're yeah. practically at 100. That's yeah. a Hall of Famer. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Right. Like one more year, he was he, – he, one more good year, he would have been a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And he probably would have because the last the last three years he he was hurt he didn't play right you know, that's what I'm saying like he had an Achilles injury right at the end of the career which made him play limited at that time yes he played limited amount of snaps if you look at it right and Justin Houston took over D Ford when he was drafted took and, over at that time kind of and he didn't play yeah. as much as a whole and he didn't want to leave there were teams right. he told me there were teams interested in bringing him back to play as a veteran player he he didn't want to leave Kansas City mm-hmm. they actually you know gave him a bonus just to you know to retire as a Kansas City chief yep i uh, you know and he's he's a very sincere person if you if yeah. out of all the people that i've i've interviewed and just have a conversation with uh the man you, you wouldn't even think that he was as good a player as he was in the nfl and and where did he play his college football 
Um, Penn State. Penn State. Yep. Penn State. Oh, that's right. Not Brown University. <laughs> and uh, you got to play against. Uh, you got to play against your favorite school of Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet you Penn State trumps them then too. <laughs> just a. And Georgia just scored again. Clippers, Clippers are up by seven right now. Oh, but he he's. Like there, there's nothing I can honestly say bad about the man uh, that yeah, we've had a conversation. What a great person! What a great person! Family person too, and great family. Um, I, every time I'm on the phone, his kids are screaming in the background. <laughs> so I, yes, he's a big family person, and um, and he was telling me a lot of people count him out, and just as much as they counted him out as a football player, they count him out in the hip hop industry, and that's what makes me want to get involved in working with him because I I think the the passion that he has for the industry. They're just not – everybody is suckering him because he's got he's a player that has money. They just want to take his money and kind of like throw him yeah. to the side. You know, but, but, uh, well, you'll probably be successful doing it, right, because no one would ever mistake you for having yeah. gone to Brown. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think he's, a, he's somebody that's worth helping. He really is. I, I, I yeah, I'm sure he is. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, huh? EJ Perry is not. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you're talking about a, a, a it could be a future, you know, it could be a borderline Hall of Famer, actually. Let's say EJ Perry gets drafted. It'll be fifth, sixth, seventh round, somewhere in there, whatever. He may not get drafted. He may just get a – what are the odds he makes a team? Zero? Yeah, he probably won't. He'll be a backup quarterback unless he practice squad. No, but that would practice be making. Squad. But that would be making the team. Even practice squad, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't even think he's going to be on the practice squad. <laughs> Depends on where he gets drafted. We'll see. That's probably that's my peak at best. Nithin, he is really taking shots at EJ Perry. Yeah, I'm not taking shots at him. I'm just saying. There's a dude, Joe Flacco keeps being brought back because of past success and things like that. There's guys like Joe Flacco that'll keep EJ Perry out of the league. And Ryan Fitzpatrick will be somewhere, yeah. too, probably. Right, exactly. Uh, Taylor Heineke will be – dude, Cooper Rush is on a team. Hey. <laughs> yes, <via. laughs> oh, man. He's coming for Cooper Rush's job, Nathan. I just think that when, when, you, look at, when, you, when you look at these draft picks, none of these – usually from really from the fifth round up, that's crapshoot. You don't know who's going to be good and who's not. You really don't. I mean, Bryce Hall should have been a top, you know, top two round pick. He right. fell because of his injuries, his Achilles. You're, you're talking about a guy that could be a number one or a number two corner for the next ten years. That's lucky. I mean, just because of injury. But come on, and if you're drafting in fifth or sixth round, the chances of you making the team or being a part, of, you know, being a decent part. Very slim. You, you have yeah, it's actually, usually you only know, if you're a safety. Or I mean, there are players like that, yeah. that are. Actually, that's a- that's also not necessarily true either. Do you know uh, 68% of the league is made up of – I know. I saw that. I, I saw Sorry. that. I saw that, yes. but uh, So the, the majority of the league gets drafted there. Well, yeah, because they'll they'll serve as backups or role players on special, special teams, teams because yes. they're cheaper than like yes. keeping a guy that's a veteran yes. for $8 million who's not and you can, a bigger And role. you can hold three extra players at special teams. Sure. So that gives a second – you know, it gives you, and plus you could get two kickers or whatever, two punters. And yeah, you're. I, th- I don't think you're required to have two kickers yeah. or, or more than one kicker, but you can have it if, in case of injury. To, to me, yes, you're right, Jeff. But again, if you're a sixth, or you're a fifth, sixth, seventh round player to be an impact. How about this impact player? 
it's right. rare. I don't see EJ Perry making an impact no. anywhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bryce Hall is an impact player. He's yeah. a starter, an everyday starter. That's an impact player. That's speaking rare. Of, speaking of, That's rare. Speaking yeah. of the draft, did you uh, do you guys see uh, Lance Zerline's latest mock draft? He has I Trayvon, He has Trayvon Walker from Ohio State going number one. He's crazy. Trayvon Walker's from Georgia, not Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, not, I mean Georgia. Yeah, that's what he's, he's not Georgia. going one. Hutchinson's going yeah. one. <laughs> it's not even did he just say Trayvon Walker is going to go one yes he did well, uh, Lance Zerline did Zerline Dude. Lance Zerline apparently said it <laughs> can I Can I? okay I don't want to do this but I'm going to have to catch a body uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the biggest Georgia guy going this Uh-oh. year here he goes go dogs and, go and I love Trayvon Walker and he should be a top 10 pick he should be him going one is not going to happen. I don't think so either. It's either Neil or Hutchinson. <clears throat> That's who's going one. Don't count out Thibodeau. Thibodeau could sneak in there. You think so? And, uh, don't, don't count out I think he could. <laughs> <laughs> well, going, well, going number one I'm, for what? Your franchise I'm hearing, mode? <laughs> I'm hearing that the, the Texans are almost sure. Sauce, uh, uh, Sauce Gardner number Sauce three. Sauce Gardner's going three. That's what uh, I heard. Who told you about Sauce? Um, I, I've been I've been really looking at the insiders. They, they're saying that the Texans really, really like him. Who oh, told wow. you about Sauce? You did. Yes, we know, Jeff. You did. He's, he's That's what they're saying. Sauce that, is the boss. Well, sauce Warner. That's where they're saying. That's where they're saying he might be drafted, <laughs> and that means if Neil doesn't go to the Lions, which quite Neil could be sitting at four. Now the Jets now, aren't the Jets aren't drafting him. So do the Jets trade out of that pick to give him away? Because you know that if Neil's sitting there at five, the Giants are scooping him up. So, uh, and that would be a stupid move if the Giants don't do that. Oh yeah, yeah. And now they have Tyler Limbaum falling to the Cowboys. The now. I'm sorry. Good luck, Nathan. Good luck. They're having no, all these people now are saying Tyler Limbaugh. because of the position that yeah. most likely with his production grade and his combine that he had was very good. And like he was like 90th percentile of everything. Uh, good luck with him falling to the Cowboys. Where are the Cowboys drafted? 24. No, he, he'll be between. I think Lyndon Baum will be trade be drafted between 17 and 20. That's where I think he's going. You know, and if and if some team really wants, yeah, him. I don't, I can't imagine him sliding. Well, actually, no, they don't have the pick anymore. I'm no. say the Raiders. Seventeen twenty is where Linden Baum is well, going to be drafted. The one thing I'm worried about as a Cowboys fan at twenty four, that uh, you, sometimes I, I, I think the Cowboys might reach, <clears throat> might reach at twenty four. They're always they're really connected with this guy from Texas and what's his name, Green Canyon Green. Uh, okay. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if the Saints draft Linden Baum. Because, yeah, I wouldn't either. Because, because of the they running. love those. Yeah, because they he's fast and and they have a great running back in Kamara. It would be perfect. Yeah, there's no you team know? that loves fast offensive linemen more than the Saints. I, I could absolutely yeah. see that happening. And they got two yeah, first round draft picks. The, now the, Cow- the Cowboys might end up at green though at 24. Yeah, so. yeah, they could. That's I, about I, his range though. The uh, Cowboys aren't drafting a wide receiver until the second round. You were right about this because the Georgia wide receiver that a lot of people think he could be the steal of the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, so I have – so I just uh, opened my emails and look at – so I, I get an updated list of, like, projected mock drafts, mm-hmm. and I usually get one that's pretty close. It actually has Trayvon Walker going two to the Lions. It's got Sauce Gardner going three to the Texans. That's yeah, what he's I – gonna make it to tw- he's gonna, Yeah, he's going to make it to 25 where the Cowboys are. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but I, I think him. maybe I maybe they, open it to see where Lindenbaum is. It's going to be very interesting if Neil is sitting there at four. What the Jets do with that pick? Because <clears throat> right. Garrett Wilson ten. Because that's that's down from before. Because if I earlier if, they had him at four. If I were the Jets, I would find a buyer because being that you're at four, there'll be teams absolutely lining up for Neil, and uh-huh. you could get you could get a you could get something back for him <clears throat> if if Carolina. Would would you oh, love yeah. to jump from where are they eight six. Six? Six, six? They'll jump jump from six to four. I mean, the Jets would get their second. Well, they don't have a second because the Jets have their second. Right. So maybe they'll get their they'll third. get a third, and they'll then they maybe third. get a future third or future second. Yeah. Maybe yeah, they could do that. They, the Jets could get their third this year, and they can get their you know their offensive line. Everyone else in the top leading. ten needs an offensive line, man. Yeah. And Minnesota could do it too at twelve. There's there's options. Absolutely, for teams to trade up I mean, if they really want them. I mean, the Jets could really reap the benefits on this for somebody to jump up to get four. To and I think that's what I think. Um, I think Douglas. Joe Douglas will do. <clears throat> I think so the, jo- the updated the updated one I have is Tyler Linderbaum going twenty to Pittsburgh. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, but Thibodeau sitting there at four is uh, something that the Jets could live, lick their lips too. Oh, they have to. Well, um, what does it? What does they have? But what does it have? The Cowboys taking? Yeah, he wants to know what has Dallas taking at twenty four. It's it's got him taking Traylon Burks. That Traylon hasn't Burks, changed okay. from last week. All right, so that didn't change. Oh, a wide receiver. Well, yeah, we were saying that last week with the Arkansas connection. See that? What scares me about Burks is. He's a big on, wide receiver. Let's, re- let's see what it has for the. the he's Je- a big wide receiver, and he doesn't have he doesn't have the the speed like all the other wide receivers. He, he ran a four point five four or something. Four point five, which for his size is actually above <clears throat> average. It just he doesn't have the quickness of the other. A receivers lot of the do. draft, it, it's all over with the Jets. I, it, it's like uh, you have Gardner, you know, falling to the Jets at Thibodeau. ten. You know what I this mean? This one has uh, Thibodeau to f- at four yeah. to the Jets. Yes, right yes, Thibodeau and and the Jets. Go five, at- five would be Evan Neal to the Giants, in case you were wondering, Speedy. Mm-hmm. And, and then at at seven, Speedy won't like this one. He won't. So I'm going to scale. Oh, and then it's got Garrett Wilson at ten. Garrett Wilson, yeah, which we which I figured that <laughs> one of those one of those picks are a wide receiver. Uh, unless the Jets, yeah, you're right, you're right. So it's got Thibodeau, and then it says ten Garrett Wilson. Yeah, one I don't of, think uh, I don't think Speedy will like his number well, seven. Well, who's the number seven? What is it? What is it? Who's the one guy you don't want, Speedy? Who's the one guy I don't want? Yeah, it was Trayvon Walker? Oh yeah. Well, the, I thought you. I I didn't think you were high on Stingley. It's got him taking Stingley. Oh no, I wasn't. I wasn't down on Stingley. I was just. I didn't think it was as much of a need for them. Dude, after his pro day, uh, I've been reading like the, everybody still thinks that Stingley is the best wide, best corner in this draft. No, I wasn't the one down on Stingley. I just didn't want him as much as some of the other like trench players, just because the Giants don't need Dude, corners. But the, if they shot Bradbury, then that's different. The, one of the draft boards, I heard, I saw the Jets drafting Stingley. Still, I mean. Stingley at ten. I I saw that the Jets yeah. could get. Uh-huh. You know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. I mean, Stingley had a good pro day. He really did. And if he's a hundred percent healthy, I mean, everybody doubted Jamar Chase. Look how great Jamar Chase was this year. And I same thing with Stingley. Uh, he, this guy was an all world freaking corner, and he hasn't been healthy for two years. I if people don't think that this kid is an all world talent, then I don't know what you didn't see in his freshman year. I mean, this guy was as good as anybody in the in the country. You even said it, Jeff. You were saying that what? there was no doubt about it that this guy could be the best player in the draft. You said it. He could be. Yeah. He could be. Dude, there's there's no shit. There's no less than 20 guys 
that I think could be the best player in the draft. There's a lot of good players in this draft. I know, and that's what I hate about that. Those young, you know, fanny, you know, those young draft specialists that we had on the show from Sports Illustrated and all that other stuff, and they were telling me you, that this is such a weak draft. I said. This this draft is stronger than last year's draft. Oh, that's what it was, Jeff. How, Shane Hallam was the one down on Stingley comparatively to and what we were saying. His and ranking I'll, and was. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Not you know, not to toot my own horn on this one, because there's an argument to be made that I could be right on this. Mm-hmm. But when we were talking about the draft last year, mm-hmm. the guy I said that could be the best player in that draft was Rashawn Slater. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, man. I like Rashawn Slater more than, it. and he was might have been the best player in the draft last year. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, top three, I think, pretty definitively were him chasing but you Parsons won't, you won't or whatever know, order. You won't yeah. know until three, four years down the road. Yeah. Because those quarterbacks, I mean, Trevor Lawrence should be better. Zach Wilson could be better. Justin Field could be better. You, you just don't know what that draft class is going to be. Three, four years down the road, we'll know. No, 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 no. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. That's totally the thing. But I'm yeah. just saying, as far as debuts... The, the three best, good yeah, the three best rookies were easily in no <clears throat> whatever particular order: Slater, Chase, and Micah Parsons. Like whatever order you want to put him in. Mm-hmm. And Mac Jones was right there too. I mean, he, he was no, right no, Mac Jones was in the top five. Yeah, he was. I'm very disappointed that that not making that list was Zayvon Collins, but he'll have a good sophomore. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't play him as much in the second half of the season for whatever reason. No, Timberwolves no, are winning right so now. Funny too because we're watching many, it. Yeah. Do you know how many notifications hit my phone when he recovered that onside kick, though, Speedy? Yes. And you were one of them. I know. I I had to tag you in a tweet just to say yeah. special team specialist is Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins. He was terrific. <laughs> He was, was terrific. Clutch. It was clutch. He yeah. barely played this year. Well, yeah, they, they they didn't use him right, just like they didn't use Isaiah Simmons right they his used, first year. They used him a lot in, in like the first four games. I know, and, and they, they didn't really use him a lot in the second half. Much, yeah. yeah, for whatever reason, they'll they wind st- up trading him. <laughs> well, they just lost Jordan Hicks, so he should play more now. But who knows? But right, well, that's yeah. that's what that move is. Watch him so go to the Patriots. He'll piss me off because this guy will have a heart attack if he goes to the <laughs> Patriots. Could you imagine, Zayvon? Zayvon Collins. <laughs> if Zayvon Collins goes to the, the the New England Patriots, you will have a heart attack. Uh, if Zayvon Collins ends up on the Patriots. I want a thousand dollars from Nithin to throw him a home warming party at his house, <laughs> and it will be the beef's coleslaw and sandwich. I don't want to give him food poisoning. He's got to play on Sundays, so, but I will throw. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? You throw, I'll throw EJ Perry's draft party. If Zaylin Collins becomes a Patriot, uh, Nithin, you got to send him a, a plant for a house warming. <laughs> got to get him a cactus or something. <laughs> That poor kid. The beast probably his ears are probably ringing on the way home from the Ranger game. Did the Rangers win? By the way, we, we lost. We oh. lost. Oh, there you go. He's probably having a heart attack right now, kicking something. Did they get no, killed? Chris Carter. Chris Carter reached a milestone with fifty. 50 goals. I, well, we which I predicted was going to happen like months ago that he was going to score. That was four to two. Speedy, didn't I tell you? Didn't I yeah, say you did. to him like two, three months ago? I said that. Watch, uh, because and that's and what I would do in the off season, I would trade him. I would trade him in the offseason. They just signed him to a long-term extension. No, they, no, didn't. Sense in no they didn't. No, they didn't. Yes, yes they did. They gave him, they gave him six and a half no, million a year, yeah. Yes, for how long? For, what was it? Well, hold on for, one second. For like five years. For like yeah. five years. Like three years yeah. ago. 
Like three years no, ago. last year because the Bruins were trying to trade for him, and then they didn't at the trade deadline, and a day after the trade deadline, Chris Kreider signed the extension. Check that wasn't Chris like Kreider three years it. ago. That was last year at the trade deadline. I'm pretty sure Chris Kreider signed the contract two, three years ago. Dude, I, dude, I know. Yeah, it's it a new seven-year yeah, year extension. Yep. The, uh, and, and he signed it last offseason because the Bruins were trying to trade for him, and he signed it a day after when, the when trade deadline. When did they deadline. sign it? When did he sign it? Yeah, he, the, the seven-year the seven extension started this offseason. So okay. this was the first year of the seven-year extension. Oh, my God. He signed it three years ago, though. No, trust me, from a Bruins fan. No, his initial contract his initial contract was $6.5 million. I would still trade him. Six years at the time. I would still trade him. You could get a lot back. You could no. get a lot back for him. Yeah, I know, but no, no. Why would you trade a, uh, a, a Chris Carter is a great player, man. You can't, you can't trade a player like he's that. thirty-two years old this year, coming going into another year. I'm going to tell you right now, he is never going to score forty, go, fifty goals again. Never. This will be the only time you see. You watch, he's going to take a back, a, a pedal back. You know, next year, twenty to twenty-five goals. You watch. Mark my words. I said that. Remember, I said that. Because he, he's never going to do this again. This was a first year under the, a new coach, under another new scheme. Teams yeah, in he the, probably won't, but he's you don't not going to come close. He's not going to come close. I think the Rangers should trade him to the Islanders for Barzell. I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't want no freaking 32, 33-year-old guy. I don't want him. You're an Islanders fan? That's what fan? they should do. I'm a diehard Islander fan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Nithin is not happy. <laughs> Nithin, do you ever do you ever listen to the show? Do you, uh... Yeah, I do. I don't really talk about it, but yes, I'm an Islander. It's hard. It's hard to get reception in EJ Perry's basement. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, come on, man. Yeah, yes, I'm an Islander fan. Yes, uh, but uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't want him. But uh, I think that right now you could get a lot for him in the off season. Why not trade him? It's yeah. worth it. It's you. You could get. <clears throat> You could arguably get you can get Sidney Crosby back. No, you you could get no. The Penguins aren't going to trade. No, Sydney you could Crosby. get two. You could get two first round draft. Dude, picks what for. world are you living in that you think it's Chris Kreider for Sidney Crosby? I never said that. <laughs> no, that yeah, no, was I, uh, that was Mr. EJ Perry's basement. <laughs> Is this is this a real conversation people are really having? No, just just EJ Sauce Perry's Gar- basement. Just n- nothing. Sauce Gardner to the Sauce Gardner to the Cowboys, and now Chris Kreider for Sidney Crosby. No, no, the, the Cowboys what? are going to get Sauce Gardner and Tyler Lindebaum. You could probably know if you trade Kreider in the offseason, you could get a first and a second, or you could, and if you really want to scheme, you steal from somebody, yeah. you could get two firsts for him. I mean, you can absolutely do that. With there, there will be teams looking for that. So, but what do you think? What do you think? Tyler the old would days, Speedy will probably get a good laugh out of this. Are you living in Banana Land? Where Where are you living? <laughs> oh, he's living in EJ Perry's basement. Where are you living? What Sidney Crosby would be? What would Tyler say? I Tyler, that was the one thing Tyler actually agreed with me that the the, the Rangers should trade. You know, Chris Kreider in the off season because of his great year. I because that's doing... how you know. That's how you know it's a terrible idea. If Tyler swore something. I knew, he, I knew he was going to say that. I knew he was going to say that. But uh, no, I. I, I I just think that you're never going to see that again from Chris Kreider, and and he's at the highest. You know, trade. you want you want to hear my hot? Well, you want to hear my hot take? My bold prediction here. Oh, let's hear this. This is good. This is for Jeff right here. Uh-oh. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Patriots draft Slade Bolden at some point. Patriots draft Slade Bolden, Jeff. Uh oh, Jeff. <laughs> this is Nith- is bold take from EJ Perry's basements. <laughs> what, what was it? Slade Bolden will be a Patriot. He could be. He could very well be a patriot. 
Right. He could the, very well be a Patriot. He's built like Edelman. He looks like Edelman. He's with teammates with Mac Jones. He very well could be. But did you say he's built like Gettleman? Edelman. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just making a joke. Gettleman, the old man. Gettleman. He's built like Gettleman. He walks like Gettleman. He talks like Hopefully Gettleman. Hopefully he doesn't operate technology like Gettleman. Gettleman has the deepest Boston accent I've ever seen. It's, it's a, so funny. It's so great. I, I love I love his pretend trades though. We so far we got uh we got Sauce Gardner to, to the Cowboys. We also got uh Chris Kreider for Sidney Cross. What's next? Ryan Reeves for Ovechkin. Why not? Straight up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sistorkin for Connor McDavid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A couple of Ranger hot dogs for Victor Hedman to play defense. <laughs> Sixth round draft pick for Steven Stamkos. That's worth it, right? (laughs) Kreider for Sidney Crosby. I'll never I'll never forget that one. What a what a beauty. Yeah, it was a joke. Kreider for Cosby. That would it's be a funny. joke. It's if, a joke. If, if Pittsburgh ever did that, I laugh at them. Well, it's an arrow. Arrow's a joke. I know it's a joke. I just think it's funny the way he's saying Let's it. Let's trade a career third liner for possibly one of the best players the league has ever seen. That sounds like a good trade. I think the Penguins are coming out ahead, though. I think it, I, I don't think it's a fair trade. I think they should have to throw in Malkin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Malkin and Crosby for, for Kreider. That's right. And every Friday night game, Mario Lemieux has to show up to the Madison Square Garden and sign autographs. That's the deal. No less. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys are nuts. Kreider for Crosby. What a joke. <laughs> Here's the other incentive, too. The Rangers will have to bring back Mark Messier in some role, and the Beefs Deli will be a sponsor of Madison Square Garden because he wanted him as a head coach. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, sad news, though. Did you see that story about Mike Bossy? Yes. Uh, he has cancer. Sad. Yeah. Supposedly, he's in palliative care, though, too, which is a, a very bad he's, sign. He's an, he's an asshole. I, I don't wish anything upon him, but I've, I've heard. Oh, well, if, yeah. Hold on now. Now, yeah. let's, now let's go I through well, no, 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 bring. No, no. I know you're going to bring up. Dwayne Haskins, okay? Let's go. So let's go through this. I'm now, not okay? posting it all over so social Dwayne, media. So Dwayne Haskins oh, has passed away, and you can't say he's a bust. I, but because I boss, didn't he's post on deathbed, it. everyone can call him an asshole, huh? He is an asshole. Dude, come on. I don't know. It, it, no, I don't wish anything. I, 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 wish, I wish nothing but the best for him. I don't want anything, <laughs> anything happen to him. I really don't. But I'm just telling you, he's not a nice person. He's just not. So it, it, neither is Tyler, but you had him as a co-host on the show uh, for forever. <laughs> Tyler says he's getting, uh, you know, hair implants. So <laughs> he told me he's getting hair implants. First of all, let's just cover the bases on this one. Is this hairline embarrassing? Sure as hell is. But this kid, this kid wouldn't show up to fight for a thousand dollars and hair plugs are like six grand. This kid's not going to be able to afford it. <laughs> That's what he says. He's getting hair implants. He's, he's, it's not going to happen. He's, he's Friar Tuck for life. <laughs> Friar Tuck. I couldn't imagine him with a full fledged full set of hair. 
But he, he says that's what he's doing. He's getting himself a... What's up, what's up, what's up? He's trying to surpass LeBron's hairline. <laughs> he's, he's better off going to a taxidermist and asking someone for their dead cat and see if the taxidermist can build it into a hairpiece. <laughs> that's what he can afford. 50 bucks for taxidermy. He's not going in 10, 15 grand to have a couple of crappy Homer Simpson hairs laying across his head. <laughs> oh, that poor kid. He's probably, his ears are probably ringing as hell right now. He's probably, what's going on? <laughs> and here's the other part to that. Here's the other hilarious Good. part. Good. After that, that we got to go. Do you know how they do that process? Wow. They have to harvest hair from your own body to do it and we've all seen that kid's skull if they're going to take it and and we're all if they're going to take hair from that kid's head to cover that patch the rest of it is going to be a nightmare until it grows back he's he's honestly going to be he's he will look like someone set somebody's dog on fire (laughs) it's either that or take the hair off his ass and put it on his head which may be even more appropriate. Oh, we could shave it off of Speedy's ass. That would be good. <laughs> no, no, I will not let no, that doesn't, happen. Doesn't work. It's got to be from your own body. You can't have uh, other people's hair. That's uh, swapping DNA there. It won't work. It won't take. Nope. Tyler's not allowed to have my DNA. That's right. So think about where are they going to find hair on that kid to, to cut? By the way, His back. It's, it's not a small. It's not all. Oh, but it's not a small patch. It's a large swath of skull that is bald. <laughs> I'm just telling you what he's planning to do. So there you go. Tyler's going to get uh, what, a hair transplant. What's the What's the odds it doesn't happen? Because I'm going to say a thousand. All right, thousand I, percent. I would probably say it's it's close to a hundred percent. But uh, he says that's he's what not, he's doing. He's that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It would be funny if he did. That's what I all I could say. Send me his address. Do you remember those old infomercials for like the the hair in a can that used to be able to spray on? And whatnot? maybe we should like chip in and get him a can of that and see how it goes. <laughs> all right, Jeff. I'll talk to you later, man. Thank you. Always, right. always a pleasure, gentlemen. Nathan, good. Right. You're you're terrific, Nathan. Out of this world. I swear to God, that was, that was great. <laughs> Speedy. Yeah. You just scored again. <laughs> Timberwolves, Timberwolves are about to win. <laughs> I could see. Thank you. Nathan. Yes, looks that Nathan, way. you could call. You could come on the show on Thursday. That was that was hilarious. Jeff is. And uh, also, the San Francisco Giants made history tonight. Oh yeah, what did they do? Um, Alyssa Nacken became the first female the coach to coach on the field this uh, today. She's what first base coach? Yeah, first base coach. Yeah, mm-hmm. Alyssa Nacken, first female. Alyssa Nacken, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Yankees had the first manager. Yeah. They have the first. Infield coach, great, wonderful. Our game is just changing right in front of our eyes. Wonderful. It is good for baseball. That's good. It's good for baseball to have women in the game. It, it is. I, I you can't you can't be sexist on that. It, right. It's a it's a great thing for for baseball, any professional sport, to bring women in and and let women have the opportunities that men have. It, it's absolutely 
a great thing for for any kind of sport, right. professional sports in all different areas. So yeah. uh, I'm actually happy for for that. I, I think the game. I want to see the first NBA coach, which I've always thought was going to be the Spurs coach. Yeah, she took a WNBA head coaching yeah. job now with uh, I think Vegas or something like that. I want to see her coach an NBA team, mm-hmm. which I believe she will eventually. I, I do. I she took that job because she's sick and tired of sitting behind. Uh, you know. Yeah, she didn't want to be an assistant. She yeah. wanted to prove herself as a head coach. And good for her. I, and if it's Vegas, it's a pretty well known market for her. Good for her. For she deserves it. Anyways, Nithin, uh, we'll talk, and you can come on yeah. Thursday, bud. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Who are you guys having on Thursday? Mark and Gerard. It'll be fun. That'll be Mark and what? Mark, Mark and Garrard will be coming on at some point, and then our guests for Thursday, we're going to have a returning Antoine Harris, time to be determined. He's, uh, he actually was his birthday weekend, so he was enjoying that. Oh, we'll have some fun with Antoine. Yes, Antoine was a great a great interview we had back in June of 2020, and then uh, also we will have uh, Fangraphs and ESPN MLB contributor Dan, Dan Sermbowski. Wow, we have a lot on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Baby, what are you, crazy? So we have like, like three guests, like, he, four he, guests. He's like, he's like me. <laughs> He's like me. Booking. We have four guests, a three-hour show. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, so. Uh, and you, Nathan. Yeah. And you. That would make uh, five guests. Live from EJ Perry's basement. <laughs> You're funny. But, uh, yeah, thank you, guys. As always, you guys are the best. Thank and you. Uh, everyone, go check out our show. Uh, oh, go check out our recent interviews with yesterday. We had. Uh, I saw former, that. Former Tampa Bay Buccaneers center, Randy Grimes. What a great story. He's. Uh, been through addiction and all, and re, you should definitely hear hear every, about every one of us have been through some kind of yeah, addiction. Actually, we should get we should get him on your show. Absolutely, be, absolutely. Yeah. Randy, Randy Grimes, Grimes, you said Nathan. Yeah, Randy Grimes, uh, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers center. Um, and then uh, also yesterday we had Rafer Olson, former NBA point guard, on the show. Rafer so, is uh, an interesting dude, man. Yeah, that guy's it. Skip to Malou. Yep. I know Skip DeMalu. I, I I actually before he made it to the NBA, I used to go and see him play on the street of Brooklyn and stuff like that. So he's uh, I I never really got into a conversation with him or had a conversation with him, but I I, I actually saw him live when he was just playing. Street He's a ball. great player, a good player. Oh, he was a great player, but one of the best street ball players ever. Yeah, Ray for Austin, Skip DeMalu. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we had him on the show yesterday, so check that out. And uh, we got more things coming up and. Uh, but uh, Speedy, you you gonna I'm gonna send, send you his contacts to both of them or yes, yeah. let him let, let mm-hmm. Speedy uh, sure. let's okay. uh, we we tried to get what's his name again um but it didn't work Mr. Catcher I think you got oh, oh Paulo Duke today's his birthday by the way oh so. well thank you Paul thank you for not coming on our show happy damn birthday to you <laughs> I hope your horse loses bastard <laughs> just kidding just kidding Paul I I love you you know even though you don't want to come on our show anyway uh Nathan thank you. We'll, no we'll see you soon. And uh, Thursday, you can come on. Okay. Uh, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.